Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card, a great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Top of the morning, everybody. Welcome to the first day of February. On this Wednesday morning, it is great to have your company and the McCafe menu. Great to have McCafe on board. Once again, they haven't mucked around. The menu's stacked today. Our official coffee partner has Dean Vickerman, the Melbourne United head coach. What an interesting season it's been for United. Just can't quite get that consistency. 14 to 13 on the season. We'll catch up with the coach a little bit later on. Speaking of coaches, Darren Lehman, the assistant now up at the Brisbane Heat. Jeez, haven't they had to play musical chairs with that lineup uh, leading into tomorrow's do or die clash for a spot in the final of uh, of this BBL season, and they're up against uh, a very good team in the Sydney Sixers. We'll catch up with Buff a little bit later on. Tracy Gordry, the event patron for the Melbourne to Warrnambool, the iconic cycling race that's on this weekend, the oldest bike race in the country. We'll catch up with Tracy and Daniel Horsfall, of course, the manager of Nick Kyrgios. Uh, we'll get the latest on Nick's injury and uh, his. Next uh, item on uh, on his tennis roadshow in season 2023. Question that notice, of course. And SEM Breakfast is for the Kogan Money credit card, packed full of value. Good morning to you, the great, the legendary Simon O'Donnell. Morning, Sam. Uh, nice, to, uh, nice to be sitting here this morning. Nice to be sitting, chatting, and you know, plenty happening. Plenty happening. Plenty of footy news. There is, isn't there? Yeah, it's male like it's and been female. A, sort of a slow burn on the footy front, but I reckon now that everyone's done hating on Novak Djokovic, we get on to footy, yeah. don't we? Yeah, we get we get the yeah, – and the Aussie cricket team's jetted off. So they're – Or have they? On other shores. No, or, or are they grounded? Off. What do you mean grounded? Well, surely they've breached – Weight restrictions on some of the some of the luggage items. I mean, if if everyone's carrying what Steve Smith is carrying, surely they weren't all for him yesterday. Yeah, they 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 bump you off the plane. Well, the more they carry, the more get bumped off. I just went on a Jetstar flight to Adelaide. I was lucky to get one point six kilos. Steve Smith has got about four coffin bags yeah, the huge that he's time. taking on. Well, we were trying to add up oh. pre-show. So one one says civvies, his clothes. Just and his clothes. toiletries and whatever that he'd have in his hotel room. The second one would be his cricket clothes. So shirts, pants, boots, shoes, yep. socks, hats, hats, baggies. So there's two. Mm-hmm. His third one I would think would be pads and gloves and thigh pads. So you probably have three, two to three pairs of pads. Mm-hmm. I think he carries about twenty pairs of gloves. And his thigh guard, you know, a couple of thigh guards. How many so bats would he have? That would be his third. I reckon his fourth would be all bats. And Mar- all cricket bats. Marnus had a fifth bag. 40 kilos of coffee beans. Mm. 40 kilos of coffee beans. Let's be checking them in at the Get airport. Get your head around that. All 40 kilos. Bags. You know how big a one kilo bag is? Yeah. I order them once every six weeks or whatever. They are. A, they are. That's a lot of beans. It is. Are you going to India? They don't like the coffee in India? What's the coffee like in no, India? No, it's it's really thick. It's like that American. Oh, Turkish style. Yeah, it's it's No, yeah. Americans are watery filtered. Oh uh, no, but they're they're you know, probably you're better saying it's that more that it's it's a cross between it's not the good, American black and the Turkish you know, the, the, the Turkish coffee. So no, no good. As the weight no that good. they had on that flight heading there. <laughs> I'm assuming no one else was on, on the plane. Um but that, that struck me because back in your day, surely you would have just had the old Billabong backpack on, and that be it. Just carry on for you. You had, you had a coffin <laughs> and a suitcase. 
right. all you're allowed. That's Cotton it. And suitcase, so yeah. you put everything, all your cricket gear in the one bag. Into one bag. How many bats would you have taken back in the day for the World Cup or something? Two, like? sometimes three. Right. So if you had an issue with your bat, two bats, that's bad luck. Oh, you get one sent you're out. You're borrowing Mervs. Yeah. Well, if you, you broke a bat in training and then were lucky enough to be scoring some runs, which I really did, and you did another one, well, you'd try and get, you'd get two within a week. Sent out from but here or England. What if you had an issue with your blade mid-match? Then you're calling for Mervs, aren't you? No, no, but you've got three. Yeah, but say you're down to your last one. Well, yeah. Did you ever yeah. borrow someone else's bat in an international no, game? never. Never happened? Never. Mm. I used to have a specific West Indies bat. What do you mean? It weighed nothing. Why? Because you had to be a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> really? Real light one. Well, back really in your light. day, the standard bat would have been would have weighed a ton, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was Big. close enough to three pound, was it? So when you pick up a bat now, two nine, two ten, you feel that back lift. Are you just amazed at the oh, bat technology and the amount of wood in them? You yeah. look down, you think <laughs> it's a tree. This is a, this is, yeah, this is the face of a shovel. Yeah, yeah, and they're quite, so light, quite extraordinary. Yeah, um, so yeah, different, but you know, still the same width, all that sort of thing. It's just all in the mind, all what goes on between your ears. Hey, the Olmo Insurance open lines one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Are you welcome to give us a buzz anytime? And the temper forty winks text oh four double three ninety eight. 11.16, plenty of guests, but always time to hear from you on this Wednesday morning. I'm just thankful that I'm talking today, Scoob, because uh, we did open the show. And look, hand up yesterday. We went down a path that I'm not proud of, but I can put my hand up and say that we you know, some again. things don't work out. No, but I went to the dentist yesterday, fear, fearing obviously the worst. Yeah. Just the, the old uh, clean mm. and the x-ray. Thankfully, the private health stumped up uh, for the clean and the x-ray. The clean yeah. didn't tickle. No feelings? Well, that's a, going to be a subsequent booking. Mm. Oh, you've got a couple. To get yeah, I've done. got a few to get done. A few. Well, you know how concerned I was. That's more than two. Given uh, yeah. 2018 was my last, yep. and I did have a bad feeling. You know, I reckon when mm. your chompers need a bit of work. Yeah, I've got three, and there's a crack in another one. Oh, so that's technically, I suppose, four items, and then uh, there was a chip in one, which I knew about. So that's five, What's and then. I chipped it off eating something. Just my teeth are just shocking. I, I was eating. Do you have much milk as a kid? Yeah, lots of dairy. You're a big milk drinker. Bones are good. Bones everywhere else are, are okay. The teeth just unlucky, Jeez. fragile, delicate. And then, um, then there's another thing with the crown that I've already got. They're a little bit concerned that there's just a, a little gap there, and there could be decay getting in and under the crowns. So they might have to take that off and put it back on. Oh my god. You're gonna spend your life sitting in the chair. Someone did say to me, "Make sure you space them out," which I will. I don't have a choice. The dentist is so busy. I can't get in until late March. Wow. For these, for these, everyone's just got to the turn of the new year and thought, right? Here's my checklist. What mm. I got to do? I got to go to the dentist. Yep. So anyway, um, it is what it is. Yeah, we it we is play on. Um, I'm watching a great show at the moment, though. You watch uh, any shows on Netflix or Stan? Or yeah, anything I like? do often. Your Honor. Have you watched that? Brian Cranston. I started to watch it. That's where the young fellow, it's the mafia Hit kid on run. the motorbike. Yeah. yeah. And Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame and you know, I think Malcolm in the Middle going back, back, back. He's the father and he's also a judge. Mm. And uh, he says, well, you've got to turn yourself in. But then when he sees the kid that he killed and he's linked to the major crime family of New Orleans, he says, no, maybe we try to keep this a secret. And it doesn't go well, right. as you might imagine. Good show, though, on stand. So the second season's just uh, dropping at the moment. So I'm, I'm quite enamoured with that. Mm. Yeah. Now, I've watched some good ones. Um, 
Um, I watched uh, Robert De Niro again the other day in a good movie with Anne Hathaway mm. called The Intern. Okay. Oh, good. fantastic. I haven't movie. seen it. Oh, brilliant movie. I can't watch a mid movie during the day. Can't you? No. I'm going to go for a little nana nap like start on the movie. <laughs> and then not off. Well, Did you get to the end? No. But it, you know it was good. Oh, no, no. I'll then watch it another right. day. Right, Pro- okay. I'll watch it properly. But um, I started on the intern and uh, I got through it. It was fantastic. Hey, a lot of feedback on your uh, bat choice as well. I copied Scoob using the Grey Nichols Classic Power really? Spot. What a bat. I had the old Grey Nichols double scoop. They don't make them anymore, do they? No, Back in the no, day. Double scoop. I never thought double the double scoop. scoops were much good. Right. You were all about the power spot. Yeah. I, was about, I started with a scoop. Yeah. The Grey Nichols scoop. One scoop. Single scoop. And then they bought that double scoop out and I couldn't find one that I felt was right. Yeah. Because that was, that was the fun of it. In those days, the Grey Nichols factory was down in Morty Alec. So you'd drive down to Morty Alec and you'd, there was just this wall full of willow that had been partially shaped into a bat and it had the handles in you'd start picking them up and you'd pick out sort of three bats so that's there's my summer yeah right there and then they'd grade them and shape them and you know do what they do to them and you keep picking them up so yep beauty and you'd get three bats made exactly the same i'd whack the stickers on and out they went into the car and got home and got the hammer and started belting them the mallet, the wooden mallet. Yeah. You know, harden them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a bit of oil got on to them. knock them in. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, just see Coral Rutherglen, an iconic footy club um, up on the borders, in massive trouble. In fact, it sounds as though they're going to they're gonna go under, at least to even take a recess or uh, there's talk of a merger. Uh, regardless, they're, they're having a horrible time up there and they wouldn't be on their own. Extensive flooding, obviously. They, they were slow to get a coach. A number of players have left. There's been a big exodus. I mean, this is a club that produced the great Johnny Longmore, and I know his father there is still involved and campaigning hard for the future of the club and what might happen next. But that's a real sad turn of events for a famous uh, football club who um, is struggling at the moment, Scoob. So um, we might try to get in touch with their president, you know, Graham Hosier, perhaps a little bit later on in the week and and see where things are at. But... um, that's a, a sad state of affairs up there, and and would be mirrored across uh, across oh, yeah. across the state and up into New South Wales as well. When it comes to when it comes to our country footy clubs, you know, for so long the fabric of, of these towns and the, and where it starts is you know your thirds and fourths. When when clubs are starting to struggle to put thirds and fourths out on the park, and then in five years' time you got no seniors either. Mm. If those thirds and fourths yeah. are strong and the numbers are up, well, I think they're juniors. By the time they fall off for the for the seniors, um, there's no one left. I think I read somewhere, and it might have even been Fred Longmore, John's old man, that um, the the junior numbers have been strong, but I think um, the flooding has been massive up there. Yeah. I mean, I think the damage to the change rooms and the facilities take a lot of uh, coming back from. So, speaking of facilities, though, did you see the news yesterday down in Tasmania, the York Park uh, UTAS Stadium upgrade? that had been unveiled. So $65 million upgrade. Uh, this is just the first stage, a new Eastern stand, Scoob, uh, improved facilities, new entertainment precinct, the whole box and dice, another 1,000 seats. Um, however, they need more funding for stages two and three of this development because it's a $200 million project. Now, Jeremy Rockliffe, the Premier, said he'll continue to lobby for the additional $65 million needed from the federal government so that stage two can go ahead. Mm. So just add it to my tab, do you reckon? He's already after three hundred million for the Hobart Stadium for their AFL team. Now he's putting out his hand for sixty-five million and perhaps more 
the Lonnie. Mm. Yeah, no, they're having a dash. <laughs> they're having a dash. It's had greedy, or what? Wouldn't you just? <laughs> wouldn't you think? I'm really trying to get this $300 million over the line. It's holding up our, our state speed that we've always wanted for an AFL team. Wouldn't you just think, maybe just pump the brakes on Lonnie for a second? With so all due you, respect how to do you Utah. read that? Well, the Utah stuff must have been in train for a long, long time, mm. is my only assumption. And maybe it's, I don't know how it can be independent. At the end of the day, you're putting your hand out for more than $350 million. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a, for two venues. <laughs> for two venues. Unbelievable. No, no it is a lot. Uh, Gav's in Weymouth in Tassie. Still have my SS Jumbo that I used as a junior. I love that bat as well. Wish well, I kept my old bats. Did you, you, Richie you, Richardson was a SS Jumbo man. You still got your bats? Did you keep them? No. You didn't keep them? Well, I sort of did, and then the kids got older and played backyard cricket with them. and you joking? And they all swelled up, and you put them on the fire. Jeez. Did your kids actually, speaking of kids, ever play hide-and-seek in their younger days? Yeah, they played that stupid game in the pool. Marco Polo. Oh, Marco Polo. Oh, yeah, love that game. Can... Iconic. What? What about hide and seek? My kids are still playing hide and seek, which I love because it means they're not on the screens. But I read a story. <laughs> I'm going to have to sanction their hiding spots. Why? I read a story in the Daily Mail. I meant to mention it yesterday. A 15-year-old boy was found exhausted but safe after falling asleep in a shipping container and waking up six days later, 2,000 miles from where he started. He got on. He hid in a shipping container in Chittagong, Bangladesh. On January 11, fell asleep, locked in the container, sailed across the Indian Ocean, and he was found by Malaysian port staff and police in Port Klang. On January 17, dehydrated, exhausted, crying, hungry, but ultimately, thankfully, okay. And he was hospitalised and he was okay. Now, do you you reckon he won? I reckon he won. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say he won. I'd say so. Odds on he won. The ultimate hide-and-seek performance. I reckon it's an excellent performance. Just a couple of our um, the the other shows to watch yes. on telly, and it's a, it's a ripper too, called Black Snow on Stan. I've watched it. I watched saw it over that. the summer. It's a Any ripper. Good? Oh, yeah. This is what I'm talking about with Coral. Coral was thirds, so they're unders. Made the grand final this year and continued to produce good junior players. And I think the towns themselves, Coral and other, yeah, kind of vibrant yeah. farming communities, are they not? Yeah, and grape growing and fruit vineyards. Nice. But for whatever reason, the football club is uh, is struggling big time at the moment. So, they haven't um, had a good senior team for a long time, if, right. I, if I remember rightly, Coral Rutherford. I don't remember them being up there for a while. After the break, too, I want to talk about a book that Colin Carter, the former um, Geelong president, released yesterday called uh, Football's Forgotten Years. Uh, interesting debate, this one, around when... The VFL started when the VFA folded and what should be counted as part of the uh, official historical records and what shouldn't. Uh, he's very passionate about it, uh, Colin Carter. He's a man we might have to get on as well in the days to come. That book released yesterday and uh, who's who of football there for the launch. Uh, stay with us, though. We're off and running here on Summer Brecky. Dean Vickerman's going to join us. Darren Lehman, Tracy Gaudry, uh, Warnable, Melbourne to Warnable this weekend. And Daniel Horsfall, the manager of Nick Curios as well. But we'd love your involvement. Keep the text coming through. Give us a buzz any time you like. Because a reminder that the Toyota Caller of the Year is back. It's an improved Hilux Rogue. It's wider, it's taller, it's tougher, Scoob, and you can visit your local Toyota dealer. We'll announce the first weekly winner next Tuesday. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast.
Got a text from Chaps in uh, Bombici, Scuba. Massive chance wasted by the AFL to play practice matches in those towns affected by the floods. We're talking earlier about uh, poor old Corowa Rutherglen, a famous club. Uh, the uh, the football birthplace of Johnny Longmire and um, and it's in a bad way. Um, it might well take a recess or it might even fold. It's been a disastrous off-season for them. Luke is a uh, beautiful part of the world up in uh, Marimbula. G'day, Luke. G'day, boys. How you going? Very well here. That's good. Um, yeah, just wanted to touch base, obviously, on the Coral situation. I was um, I was lucky enough to play in the under the last under eighteen flag there in two thousand, and the seniors actually won it the same year. And geez, it, it's come you know, from when I first started to, to now. It's just it's the player retention is yeah, in, all around in those country leagues seem to be really struggling. And yeah, it's just a really sad, sad story. Coral was the the first real sort of junior junior footy club where I started to really take off in, in footy. And, yeah, I remember it really well. And, yeah, just feel really sorry for it. Yeah, oh, good on you, Luke. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot for, for calling in. And it's a sad state of affairs whenever we get onto this topic, Scoob. But... Um it's it's been a problem up there for a while, I think. Maybe half a dozen years ago, they did a, a study into the amount of players um, that could be accessed, and the amount of clubs they had, and there just wasn't enough. Mm. It wasn't enough to to fulfil the need there. That Coral were cluster of clubs they got up there, and now it's come home to roost for Coral Rutherglen off the back of the floods and player retention and and all sorts of. Well, things. I think there's a there's a, a player participation. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Retention. No, no, no. Aspect to the problem that that you know not as many kids are playing footy and, and everyone keeps sprouting out oh the, oh, yeah. the participation in footy at younger levels well it's just not the facts are but they ain't and cricket's exactly the same the participation levels are are lower than usual and I think that tie-in of a country footy club to a country town you know, that has changed because there's, there's so many um, young fellas go up now that have you know just come out of the AFL system or possibly the VFL system. Get some good money going up and playing for your Elmores and your Heathcots and your Moamas and Dinaliquins and Tokemalls and all those sort of places, and in the Golden Valley League and Ovens and Murray. So, so the the connection of the town to the footy club isn't as strong as it yeah. used to be either. Yeah. So, I, I think that also is a, is a another problem that these footy clubs face. Kids move away too, don't they, when they yeah, get they to do. working age and they don't yeah. hang around. Hey, we'll keep an eye also today on the other side of the globe when it comes to the deadline day. The deadline transfer window uh, closes uh, in a matter of hours over there. Uh, eyes on Leicester City. We're just waiting for them to confirm officially, I suppose, that Harry Souter, our mm. uh, big, towering Socceroos defender, Scuba, will definitely join them from Stoke. So, 26 million Australian dollars is said to be the, uh, the reported transfer fee and, and the Foxes have been linked with Harry for a period of time. So lots of conjecture, lots of smoke. We'll just wait for the fire on that one. That would be a great deal for Harry Suter to, to get himself to, to Leicester City. I mentioned Colin Carter before. Now he released a book yesterday, Scoob, called Football's Forgotten Years and it's a passion project of, of Colin's with with the help of Geoffrey Blaney who uh, a lot of people will know has been a, a historian around these circles for a long time. Um, he argues that the incorporation into the records of 27 years of the VFA need to happen before the establishment of the the VFL in 1897 as a breakaway comp. So 27 years of lost football, um, Colin Carter is arguing to be officially part of the record. So not just the player records, coaching records, but the premiership records as well. 
And this is oh, where he here says, we go. yes, there I, here we go. there's no interest like self-interest. No, Colin Carter was saying yesterday that, yes, he was motivated by Geelong's so-called ghost premiership. So mm. seven flags the Cats won in that time that he wants in to have. 27 years. He wants to have at, exactly. He there's wants, still 20 other flags that were won in that period. There were. How many did Carlton win? Uh, half a dozen, I think. Oh, I Blues won. Oh, you think. You think so? Twenty-two, you know? which I think is uh, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Going for twenty-three and twenty-three. If you're the Carlton Football Club, so I see no problem with it. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's a no-brainer. Particularly as I look down the order and I think, well, how many extra flags did the Saints win to add to their singular flag? And the answer is big fat donut. This is all coming off that Herald Sun Conning article. This morning, oh. isn't it? Hey? What about that? Bit that? Of nastiness. What about that? You reckon Soss will get back at the oh, baggers by no, pitching Tom to Coning? Going back at the Blues, <laughs> to the Saints. You can see the big blonde fellow in the red, black, and white. We might get into this. Suiting me. Uh, no, that, don't be stupid. It'll we might get me. out of this. Why would you go there? <laughs> we might get out of this out of seven o'clock though, because. I mean, where do you draw the line with the VFA, which went to the VFL, which then obviously we went to the AFL? I reckon if you're going to go one way or the other, you, you just say, right, every flag won from 1990s AFL era, count that as its own table. You have your VFL flag, that's a uh, table, that's its own set. And then you can have VFA if you want, that's its own set. Sandful, waffle, whatever. Done. Separate com- I think the NFL do something similar before the Super Bowl Done. era started. That's how it is. Logical. Don't try and manufacture the you're VFA a man into of the logic. Sam. Do you agree or yes. not? Yes. Okay. You're a man of logic. SEM Breakfast for the Koga Money credit card, packed full of value. Anna, thank you. Love your involvement on the Temper 40 Wings text. By the way, they are the consumer's choice winners. Temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforming to the exact shape of your body. The IMAR Insurance open line is one 736 There's not a glance at it. I see the name John, Port Augusta, which I always love to see, Scoob. Morning to you, Johnny. Yeah, morning, fellas. Hey, Sam, that book um, the Colin Carr's put out, mm. what would that do for Port Adelaide and, and East Fremantle? That's a very good question, John, but it only concerns the VFA. So it uh, doesn't concern, to the best of my knowledge, um, those particular leagues. Uh, Colin is just simply arguing that um, the the historical nature of um, of the 27 years and that um, the VFL at the time, the VFL founders, the clubs and the football media regarded 1870 as the first year, not 1897. And he does agree, John. He doesn't try to hide it, that he's... His motivation, his impetus initially was discovering Geelong's um, uh, ghost premierships when he was president down there. But he's said to have brought with it, you know, a stack of unearthed evidence and and the support of Geoffrey Blaney I mentioned. Um, and Gil McLaughlin yesterday, actually, funnily enough, John said uh, um, he wouldn't shut the book on, uh, on the campaign to have it added to the history books. He said, uh, look, that's one for the commission to debate at a, at a later stage, but... Um, He's had a lot of uh, a lot of blowback on it, Colin Carter. He mentioned yesterday, John. Are you, are you one of those, or are you uh, a bit ambivalent? The ex NFL and the Waffle were as strong as the VFA. Yep, every bit as strong. That's why as the VFA not as good as the VFL, not as good as the VFL slash AFL. I understand that, but they were every bit as strong, if not slightly stronger, than the VFA, which was the second gear competition in Victoria. Yeah, John, like I said earlier, I'm of a mind to go the other way. Don't include the VFA um, premierships. Actually, have them self-contained. Have the VFL self-contained as well and have the AFL self-contained, given we uh, we formulated that national comp in, 
And when was it? 1990. So um, that's the way I would go if we were going to go one way uh, or the other. But um, I'm not sure, Scoop. Going from the VFA to the VFL, totally different competition. Yeah, I think I think that's quite simple and logical um, that you do it that way. But uh, I, I don't know why we're, we're trying to combine those premierships or the success or non-success of clubs because they're different competitions. 22 has a good look about it, though, at the top of the premiership list. 22 premierships. You can't just have that bias all the time. You've got to be more open-minded than that, Sam. COVID has brought forward the end for many sports clubs as juniors have found other interests or focus on work in the 15 to 7-year-old age bracket. That's from Dinga in Mildura. And a lot of texts coming through, Scoop, saying you're 100% right on participation, not being where it once was. Towns don't stop at midday on a Saturday anymore. It's 24-7 life. Jobs, etc., aren't often there for kids to stay locally in country towns. And Duna says it's sad, but it's only going to get worse for towns, clubs, leagues, multiple hours uh, driving outside the CBD. Uh, a sports update is for Toro above or below ground. You can count on Toro. I really want to pick your brains on this at a seven o'clock, but a report in the Herald Sun that dropped last night. Multiple women have contacted the AFL detailing allegations of harassment and threatening and intimidating behaviour by Taron Thomas, who's already been in the news, hasn't he, uh, given he's been charged uh, by police for threatening to distribute uh, an, an image. So uh, we'll detail that out of uh, 7 o'clock as well. What have the Blues done to their AFLW Yeah, coach? they've parted ways with their uh, AFLW coach, Daniel Harford. He'd been there for five seasons in charge, of course, of the women's team. And the Blues on Tuesday night confirmed Harford. And the club had split following the completion of an independent review into Carlton's AFLW program. Can, so, we, can we get into that? There's a bit more in that that we need yeah, to explore. A lot, of, a lot of hopes there for the boys, which you seem to keep clambering on, but um, not the girls aren't going quite as well, which you don't seem to care much about. I care very much. Two in season. It was always going to be tough to survive that, but I think they wanted him to become or said that they wanted him to become full-time, full-time and he wasn't willing to, to do that. Obviously, uh, has a public profile half and uh, is busy around the place as well, which, again, all goes into the into the mix, doesn't it? Uh, 2015 world champion halfpipe skier Kyle Smain has died after getting buried in an avalanche in the mountains of central Japan on the weekend. Wow. Wow. Wow, we. York Park, uh, we've touched on it over there in uh, Tassie. Uh, it's set for a revamp with plans of a $65 million upgrade. Uh, the upgrade will include a new eastern stand with an extra 1,000 seats, improving playing facilities and a new entertainment precinct. And Jeremy, Jeremy Rockcliffe, who we'd spoken to on this program, says he will continue to lobby the federal government for an additional $65 million <laughs> to complete the other two stages. So um, big plans Al- over there in Tassie for their sport going forward. Anthony Albanese just started the famous question, do you want to start a tab? And he said, <laughs> yes, I do. Add it to my $300 million. Uh, We're keeping a close eye on deadline day proceedings over there in the UK. And uh, we mentioned it earlier, but Harry Souter's Premier League dream, according to many reports, is set to become a reality. The BBC, among those to report that Stoke City have agreed to an Australian $26.4 million deal that will send uh, the big Socceroos defender to the Foxes to Leicester City. What happened in the NBA, Scoob? The NBA, Paddy Mills stepped up to help the Nets uh, beat the Lakers 116-102 to 102 yesterday. Mills went on uh, to score 29 points, uh, 7 of 12 shooting from the field with four triples in 26 minutes off the bench. The Aussie veterans' performance comes in the face of trade rumours ahead of next week's deadline. Uh, always a bit of action before mm. that deadline. With the ringers Kevin O'Connor revealing Brooklyn is actively looking for upgrades and noting Mills, Joe Harris and Seth Curry could all 
get moved. I saw Steph Curry went nuts yesterday against uh, Oklahoma and now Josh Giddy. I think he dropped 38. Uh, absolutely unstoppable Ooh. Steph Curry when he's in that sort of mood. Hey, the Victorian Sports Minister Martin Pakula has accepted a part-time role with the AFL to assist them uh, progress major projects, projects including the redevelopment of the Gabba and the potential introduction of a 19th team in Tasmania. I think it's only one day a week for, for Martin. He is precluded from dealing with the Victorian government on any matter, Scoob, in which he was involved as a minister for, I think, 18 months due to the government code of conduct. So it's a bit hard to do some of these major projects when you're prevented from speaking to the government. But that's only the Victorian government, of course. He can deal with uh, with interstate governments. Yeah, and signing up of players for new contracts is never um, far away when the AFL season gets closer and closer. And Melbourne won't rush Cozzy Pickett into mm. making a decision on his future. He is out of contract at the end of the season. You mentioned no, no Tom DeConing. No that's, that's, that's a watch as well with Cozzy Pickett. Uh, Carlton trying to hang on to Tom and Melbourne... Really want to hang on to, to Cozzy Pickett, but a lot, as you can understand, a lot of interest in him. It was led by Port Adelaide in the trade period last year. Mm. He's coming out of contract at the end of this he season. He looks Cozzy bigger Pickett. and stronger again this year, He's too. Good player, Cozzy Pickett. Uh, He's quick. Low possession, high impact. Yeah. We love those players. Yeah. Uh, they are for Toro. The sports updates above or below ground, you can count on Toro. A lot of text coming in, Scoob, so I'll park those in this upcoming ad break. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it. But we've got to give away some prizes today. We've got a double pass to the first ever WNBL game to be played at John Kane Arena. It's the Flyers and the Flames. It's this coming Saturday, February 4. We've got two of those to give away. We've got a double pass to Beachside Gift. Watch Australia's best professional sprinters in action. That's at Mentone Reserve. That's this Saturday as well. We've got the magnificent uh, Aiden Holes of Golf for you and a mate with a cart at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. And have you got your Signet Boost Power Bank in the house today? Gee, that thing yeah, looks good. We've got one of them outside, to give away as well. Charging, recharging. Oof, fantastic. 59 Four ports, just boom. They what charge everything. They yep, phone, tablet, earbuds, all powered 24 Seven. We'll be back on Summer Brecky right after this. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back. Got a text in here from uh, Moza on the Temper 40 Wink Scoob. Uh, what's your read on Hawthorne still playing home games in Launceston when a Tassie team comes in? Well, that that's not well, at least not yet, the case, uh, Mozza. So the deal was re-signed uh, with Hawthorne, the Tasmanian government. It's for another two years through until the end of 2025. Now, this new Tassie team, I still would like to say when they come in rather than if, won't be until, I think, 2026 at the earliest. So uh, they sh- surely they won't keep Hawthorne down there, the Tasmanian government, <laughs> when the Tassie team comes in. I mean, they have got their hand out for $365 million. Maybe just add it to the tab. To- in saying that... With the north and south of Tassie, I no, mean, no. Lonnie's association no. with Hawthorne won't, wouldn't override someone supporting. No, you can't have yeah. another team down there, especially when they need to be. They're, they're paying for the privilege no, but, here. But Hawthorne will fly in and fly out. No, but Tas- Tasmania sponsor Hawthorne. They're not going to sponsor Hawthorne and stump up all this money, which is already the subject of a lot of debate down there, to to fund a new team of their own. Mm. They're not going to then fork out. And, and cannibalise themselves by getting a, an established team down there, surely. That's a very good point, Sam. Of course I they're not. about the but this government is to, sponsorship. This is to just, I keep, I guess, keep footy in the state, Mozza, until 2025 as, as it's read at the moment. And obviously they're still in, uh, in the middle of that quest to get their own side uh, up and going. Andy's in Reservoir. He's called in. I think he wants to talk some golf. G'day, Andy. Good morning, boys. Good morning to you. And to you. G'day, Andy. 
Um, this Patrick Reed controversy with uh, identifying the ball in the palm tree last weekend. Mm. Now, surely, if the rules official had asked to look in his bag and see how he marked his golf balls, because he'd have three in a sleeve that were all marked the same way, he gets the binoculars off him, he looks up on the tree and says, oh, yep, I can see it, mate. Job done. I defer to you here, uh, Simon, as the the golf expert of the two of us. I've never had a ball caught in a tree. Not many palm trees at Cathedral. Or any of the clubs I've played at, no. So, Andrew, what was the controversy with it, though? Obviously, he got his binoculars out and it was confirmed that it landed, I think, near the tree closest to the green, did it not? No, no, not necessarily. It's a decent-sized hole. It would have gone two-thirds of the way up the hole. But initially, people were saying, how did they know it was that tree? Well, the caddy would pretty much know which tree it was in. But he grabbed the binoculars off the rules official, looked up in the tree and said, yep, 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 that's my ball. That's how I mark my ball when there's about seven balls up there. Okay. Ah. Yeah. So I'm just rereading it here, Andrew. So he'd he'd said it was, and you say two-thirds of he said it was the tree closest to the green. It might still be in some fair way from the green, whereas replays appeared to show the ball lodged in the tree Furthest from the green. So there was some identification issues there leading to a pretty controversial drop, it would appear, um, Scoob. But I guess controversy follows the man, Andy. Just add it to the add another chapter. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it'll keep going because uh, he's just got that side to him. Everyone who plays golf on the edge, they try and uh, bend the rules as much as they possibly can. Thanks, Andy, for the call. Uh, a bit like this man who sits opposite. Uh, mate, you try to bend the rules up there at Cathedral. You play for keeps up there. Hey? What are you talking about? Do you play for keeps up at Cathedral or are you happy to let... We all confront those moments that test our moral compass playing golf. What way do you go? Do you go left or do you go right? Are you accusing me of being a cheat? Andrew, while um, Scoob gets combative, I'll flick your double pass to the first ever WNBL game to be played at John Kane Arena. It's the Flyers, South Side Flyers, against the Sydney Flames this Saturday, 4th of Feb. You can go on us. Well, no. I need a lawyer. Well, that's the thing about golf, isn't it? It, it's it's never a black and white. It's not a matter of cheating or not cheating. There, I've found in my limited experience playing the games that there's grey areas too. Is there not? The, golf is all about black and white. Is it? That's all it is. Is black and white. <laughs> you have a number of strokes per well, hole. Well, then why does this Patrick Reed getting himself into so many debatable positions? Well, that, that's you'd have to ask Patrick Reed that. But I don't think there's any deba- debate on golf and the amount of shots you've taken from the tee. To get the ball in the hole. The ball drop off on confusing. So say I hit it off the fairway and into the shrub, which I, I do maybe once a, once a round, um, and then I, I lose my ball and I take a drop. Mm-hmm. So do I take a drop, obviously, adjacent to where I best believe the ball has well, gone? No, no closer to the hole. And on the line, the ball went into the shrubs. And so it goes heavy shrub, shrub, Fringe of the fairway, fairway. Where am I dropping it? Well, you're dropping closest point of entry to where it went into the So shrub. it could still be in so the you're rough. not coming back onto the fairway. You're not coming onto the smooth stuff. No, you're not. No, I knew that. I just thought I'd No, no you didn't know I that. I did know you that. You would go straight back onto the fairway. No, I played with people who made it abundantly clear that, that that's as you described it. I'm yeah. just making sure. Okay. Yeah, closest to the point of entry of going into the heavy stuff. Right. So you can't come back another 15 metres, oh, I'll just go to that bit of fairway there. And are you one to pull people up, like, straight away? Should that should they be just sort of bending the... I don't. I, I take people on trust when I play golf with them that they'll play by the rules. Hey, public... Sometimes you're 
a long distance away from each other. Public service announcement here from Tim in Epping. He tells us there's a bit of a nasty one on the roads here. A three-car pile-up near Greensboro Road. Take care. Thanks. That's from Tim in Epping. So if you're heading in that general vicinity, perhaps best to steer away, or if you have to go through it, certainly proceed with caution. A weather update today, Scoob. City Power supplying power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Uh, 15 degrees at the moment, heading for a top of uh, 21 or somewhere in the low 20s mark. A little chance of a possible afternoon sprinkle. Except with it. Nickname of yours, Julius Marlowe, has come from. What nickname? The golf. What, that's not my nickname. Julius Marlowe's? Yeah. No, why is that? The funding commitment to support a Tasmanian team has cross-party support. It is the new Hobart Stadium funding that is divisive. It is, Bill. It is. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, the, the federal government has to fork out, well, is being asked to fork out, 365 million dollars. Uh, Brian Indramana, golf rules are nothing but grey and open to interpretation. That's from Bryzer. Hmm. Uh, morning, Sammy and Scoob. Given the serious nature of the allegations, should Taron Thomas be stood down from the club temporarily and or sent to the VFL team for now? John, I want to get into this at a seven o'clock. A uh, big story in the Herald Sun that uh, dropped last night as well concerning Taron Thomas, who has already been charged by police on a separate matter. We will detail this one because um, it's a it's a developing story in the AFL world. Uh, we better take a break though, Simon. And on the other side of it, we'll continue our conversation. Okay, you want to do that? Just going to give my lawyer a buzz. Okay. See if any defamation already happened from what you accused me of doing on the golf course. Back after this. Kino Go now in Victoria. Up to twenty million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer breakfast. I'm a bit slow when it comes to golf, Scoob, and your Julius Marlowe's uh, gag uh, has now finally registered. I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough at golf to be tempted to cheat, so if I lose my ball, I'll lose my ball. Although, you might have misheard me. So I hit the ball in the scrub and I can't find it. My question to you was, where do you take the drop? And it's being explained to me very clearly off the 40 Winks temper that you don't take the drop from, from the point of entry into the scrub where you've lost your ball. You've got to go back and hit it from... You said you hit the ball into the scrub. And I said I lost it, but maybe you misheard me. So I couldn't find a lost it. Obviously, in Patrick Reed's case, as Stephen argues, he would argue his ball was not lost, just unplayable because it was up a palm tree, which is... Yeah, I, I, I'm going down the unplayable line. Yeah. So, well, okay, but that's you've gone into the scrub and say, oh, well, there's my mm. tight list, number four. Yeah, unplayable. Unplayable, you pick it up, or you go back nearest point... Point of entry. Very, very rare that I could find my Titleist for. It was uh, just gone. So, uh, yeah, okay. So there you go. They are black and white, but there are so many rules in golf. Uh, a lot of people setting us straight on that, which is which is good. And Jake in Lang Warren says, uh, sounds like Sam's favourite club is the old leather wedge. It's not, Jake. It's not. <laughs> um, I need one of those ball finders. Do they actually see, work? I don't see how people go and play sport. Any sport. What's the point? What's the point of knowing you've had a six, but you say you've had a five? So you're going to hit 101 you've had a or 10 and you, haven't, you, you say it's a nine? I, I don't when know. you add it up at the end of the day and you're sitting there having a beer with your mates and you say, oh, yeah, mate, you know, I, had a, I had a 47, when you know you've had a 49. 100%. Like, it makes no sense. Can we talk Taron Thomas out of this? My word. I really want to do that with you. I want to talk uh, AFL Commission, which are meeting uh, this week as well. A number of footy topics to kick around uh, after this break. We'd love your involvement on uh, anything you like. And I, we're hearing of a Mel- Mellow Bevo this year at the Western Bulldogs as well. 
He's dialed it down. He's calmed the farm, Josh, Josh Bruce, Bruce says. Say that, yeah. And Joshy, by the way, a positional shift for him, going back to where it all going began back. as a defender. So the dogs are on their camp in Portsea at the moment. Uh, plenty of footy topics to kick around. Stick with us. We'll be back with you after the news headlines. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Summer Breakfast. Sam Edmund, Simon O'Donnell with you as we tiptoe into the month of February. It is the first day of February in the McCafe menu today. Dean Vickham and the Melbourne United coach not too far away. Darren Buff, uh, Lehman, uh, Scoob's old mate will join us. Brisbane Heat assistant coach as well as the BBL gets towards uh, the nitty-gritty. Tracy Gaudry, the event patron for the Melbourne to Warrnambool, the iconic cycling race that's on this weekend. And Daniel Horsfall will bring us up to speed uh, with the injury to Nick Kyrgios as his manager. Questions of that notice as well. All brought to you, of course, right here on SEM Brecky by the Kogan Money Credit Card. Packed full of value. Big story dropped in the Herald Sun uh, last night, Scoob, uh, written by Mick Warner and, and Mark Butler concerning uh, Taryn Thomas of uh, the North Melbourne Football Club. And uh, it reads that uh, multiple women have detailed allegations to the AFL of harassment and threatening and intimidating behaviour by North Melbourne star Taryn Thomas. Uh, the newspaper reports that at least one of the women has been provided with a psychologist by the league after being hospitalised as a result of an incident last year. Uh, the AFL um, have said that uh, the the behaviour alleged to them by the women concerned here was, quote-unquote, family violence, and they offered to facilitate meetings with detectives from a family violence investigation unit. The allegations are really serious. They come off the back of, uh, of obviously, Taryn Thomas being charged this month with threatening uh, to distribute an intimate image following a three-month police investigation. Now, that's a separate issue. That was involving another woman. With these uh, particular women that the Herald Sun um, are reporting on, the allegations against Taryn Thomas include telling a woman he wanted to beat her and calling her uh, names that we can't repeat on air, throwing a lamp at a woman in a hotel room, sending threatening text messages, a verbal and physical altercation at a Paran nightclub. So these are the allegations that have been made and only allegations, we must stress. Thomas, uh, the complainant say, has faced no disciplinary action from the league or his club over his alleged conduct. That's the state of play at the moment. You said they're family violence. It comes under a category of yeah, family violence. That's what the AFL has said, according I, to the newspaper. That, that means it's going to be sisters, cousins, aunties, mm. relations of. Yes. Well, that's how I would define family, yes. Now, my question to you is is this, though. The AFL, when, when has it ever looked like a police? I'm assuming these people, these women have gone directly to the police. And if not, then why not? I mean, the AFL wouldn't strike me as the place to be making these sort of allegations, given mm. the serious nature of them. They need to be investigated by the law, not by league employees. So clearly, they're a, 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 it's, this is a criminal matter. Wouldn't you go to the police? Surely you go to the police first, and then the AFL fall in behind the police investigation. Surely. I agree. I, I, I agree. And the AFL taking on board to manage this situation, if it is a family matter, gee, that's that's really broad brush stuff from the point of view of, you know, if something then happens down the track after you think, you know, everyone's happy and, and, and walks away in a, in a manner that's, you know, the, the problem is solved. 
something happens later on, that's something you don't want on your shoulders. What are we expecting of party to that? Well, what are we expecting of the AFL here? That at the end of the day are a sporting body. I mean, are we expecting them to be judge, jury, and executive? Well, they have done. They said uh, a a comment here from uh, an AFL spokesman uh, spokesperson given to the the Herald Sun said, "Any allegation of threats of violence against women is unacceptable, and his behaviour that the AFL takes extremely seriously. The AFL has worked with Victoria Police regarding North Melbourne player Taryn Thomas, and after receiving some new information." Put to us by the Herald Sun, the AFL reached out directly to those persons known to us. The AFL has investigated all formal complaints where appropriate and where there have been allegations of criminal behaviour have facilitated contact with Victoria Police who are the most appropriate body to investigate allegations of that nature. But if I'm, if I'm feeling like these women are feeling and these things have happened to me, I'm going straight to the police. Not to the AFL not to the AFL, not to North Melbourne. You well, that's another. You, you're, you're saying they've just reported it to the wrong authority. Well, I would have thought so. That's how it looks. I mean, I'm assuming. But, but at least the AFL have now said, take it to yep. the right authority. We'll take it for you on your behalf. And you you, you know, be contacted appropriately Clearly, at the appropriate time for this further discussion. And, and as I said earlier, I mean, that's separate. It is a separate issue involving another woman that threatening to distribute an intimate image. And that was a police investigation that lasted the better part of... Of three months. I mean, all that aside, though, this is um, this is a concerning situation for Taron Thomas, obviously, for those around him, for those close to him, for his football club and for the AFL. An undoubted talent who clearly Scoob would appear to have some issues that he needs to, to work through, doesn't he? Interesting, some of the texts coming through, the, the family family violence, just a more... Just a more catch-all word for domestic violence. Or relates to people in significant relationships. Yeah. Wife, Wife, girlfriend, girlfriend, de facto. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Uh, Guys, the league also has a code of conduct. What what they don't have, though, is uh, the stand-down clause that the NRL have have obviously adopted there. So with the AFL, we get ourselves into these situations, don't we, that um, it's innocent until proven guilty. Um, and people are able to go about their, their day-to-day business until a proper process has been followed by, in this case, by the police. So what does the club do here? That's a very, very good question. I mean, do we need to hear from the club? Do we need to hear from Sonia Hood? Do we need to hear from Alistair Clarkson? Do we need to hear from Jen Watt, the new CEO, in place here? Well, surely say, they, they, would, they would do an, a an initial investigation or have an initial discussion and make some some recommendations on, on how to handle it from a, a club point of view. I mean, it's damning if the, the club say nothing and if something untoward is proven down the track and these are allegations at present, well, mm. it doesn't make the club look any good for allowing that player just to be part of the same environment while these sorts of things are, are being accused and being investigated. Ash what do you is in, do there? Yeah. Well, uh, let's hear from Ash. She's quite been waiting on the line in Brunswick. G'day, Ash. Good morning to you. Hi. Um, I'm just calling, yeah, in relation uh, to this issue. I'm just really sick and tired of hearing the men on SEN uh, talk about allegations like they're not real. Um, yeah, can we start believing the women first? Can you start condemning the actions? Well, of these men? Like, well, well, they are allegations at the moment, Ash. They haven't been proven. They haven't, to the best of our knowledge, in this specific case, haven't even been properly investigated by police. So we, ha- we have to describe them as allegations. You don't even understand the dynamics of family violence. You're questioning why it would be a family violence incident. It's interpersonal relationships. If you, are, if you guys don't have the expertise or the understanding to talk about these issues, in relation to believing women, instead of this covering up of men constantly, you know and I know why women don't go to the police. 
Ash, we're well, certainly not covering up for Taryn Thomas, but what they are at the moment are allegations. That is a fact, is it not? Yes, but you need to start to under, treat the women's allegations seriously we, and we, believe in We're that. talking so about we're it. Talking on, about we're talking about it on the on the radio, Ash. It's just no. You're saying they're constantly saying the allegations. You're questioning why they've gone to the AFL. You're shaking your head and I'm. Yeah, so we're saying they're so serious. I would be going directly to the police, Ash. I'm pretty sure I've said that multiple times. So that's certainly not sweeping under the carpet as, as best I can tell. Uh, and we did mention that he's already been charged with that, with that count of threatening to distribute that intimate image in a separate case. So by saying they're allegations, we're not uh, discrediting the allegations. We're not saying they're untrue. We're not saying they're fabricated. We're saying they're allegations because that, that is what they are. Yeah, it's not your comment. It's just it doesn't come across as in any way supporting the women at all. And again, it just comes across as a push away the lines. I will play it down. We'll see how the investigation goes, and then nothing comes of no, it. No, absolutely not playing it down. If we were, if we were playing it down, Ash, we wouldn't be talking about it on the radio, and we wouldn't be addressing it straight out of seven o'clock, which is where we traditionally talk about the the biggest issue of the day. I mean, I I, I disagree with you there. Um, Yep, family violence. We're not. We're not um, legal eagles. We're not. Um, we're not police. We're not investigative. Um, you know, we don't have investigative powers or abilities. All we're doing is simply discussing the news as it's come to hand. And legally, as far as the seats that we sit in here, we have to describe them as as allegations until they've been proven otherwise. Ash, but um, obviously, you're welcome to have your say any time you like. And she has, so we'll let her go. Uh, off the text, uh, Ricky from Port Melbourne. Hey, boys, I wonder if the media are going to hang Taryn Thomas out to dry like uh, they did to with Jordan Dugowie. I doubt it. Well, Ricky, if you pick up the Herald Sun today, you might be proven, uh, you might be proven otherwise. Uh, Jack's in Churnside Park. Morning, Jack. Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you going? We're well. That's good. I just wanted to, I just wanted to respond to that previous caller. Uh, it made me feel rather uncomfortable, um, sort of. Uh, I, I get what she says, um, but I think I think the the whole the whole fact that you you guys are talking about it openly um, is yeah it's a real step forward um, taking uh, these allegations very seriously and and you're right Sam they are allegations um, innocent until proven guilty um, and this doesn't mean that you don't believe women um, I, I didn't agree with that I didn't like that at all um, I didn't like that take I, I just wanted to come on and, and quickly just um, sort of, from my point of view, um, I, I think I think the police, the AFL, North Melbourne and yourselves uh, openly talking about this on radio and bringing it to the forefront, uh, you are believing the women, but you are waiting until justice is served. So yeah. it just yeah. made me feel really uncomfortable and I hope, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's nothing personal to that, to that woman. She's clearly upset and I, I respect that. But um, yeah, I, I just wanted to come on and say, yeah. I don't agree with everything she said, but yeah, I think I think you guys are taking it very seriously, and we're having a very important discussion on air this morning. So thanks, boys. Good on you, Jack. Uh, we agree with you completely. I mean, it's it's top of our mind that um, these sort of things should be discussed. I think Dylan might think the same thing from Black Rock. Good day, Dylan. Yeah, morning, Simon. How are you, mate? Good. Yeah, that's good, man. I'm I'm actually a family lawyer who works in this space of domestic violence a lot, and so just to put some clarity to it. When they say uh, uh, the family violence content centre, as people have said, that's right. It's um, an it can be an intimate partner or a boyfriend, girlfriend, something like that. That's where that sort of that family violence section comes from. But I completely agree with 
it is an allegation at the moment. It's, you have to call it an allegation until it's proven. Mm. Um, I understand mm. the previous caller had a separate um, issue with respect to believing women. That's, that's one issue in itself. And the fact that these are allegations, until they're proven, um, you boys would be potentially up for all sorts of yeah. other issues if yeah. you were just to believe, um, not, not sorry, not to believe, but just to agree with everything that was put forward mm. and so these actions have happened. Yeah, so, and that's what um, I was trying to explain, Ash, um, Dylan, to be honest, that we, we, legally we are prevented from, from obviously doing that and um, we have to wait until proper process is is followed and, and the matters are investigated. So I appreciate your call, Dylan. Thanks for clearing up and clarifying a couple of those things. Uh, this text came in from Pete in Point Cook. Uh, good morning, Sammy and Scoob. Jordan DeGoe was stood down indefinitely by the pies when awaiting to face assault charges. So shouldn't Thomas be stood down by North while these serious allegations are investigated? Pete, to the best of my memory, Jordan DeGoe had already been arrested in New York for that particular incident um, at a New York nightclub. So they're, they're quite different set of um, situations. Um, Jordan Ngoi was, though, ultimately stood down. Taryn Thomas, you mentioned the club, North Melbourne. They did release a statement after he was charged uh, by police scoob um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and they said that uh, that was the, the threat to distribute an intimate image. And the, poli- uh, the club said uh, the North Melbourne has informed the AFL's Integrity Unit and the AFL Players Association on both matters. The club will continue to work with Thomas regarding behavioural expectations. North Melbourne will not make any further comment at this time. Would you like to hear from them now, though? I after think so. I think we need to hear yeah. something, for, a, a statement or something from the powers that be at North Melbourne addressing it. Yep. I, think, I, I don't think you can let this fester. Any longer than it has to. I mean, I, I, th- I think North would be keen to um, put some clarity around this new situation. Is it is it part of what we heard from two weeks ago? Uh, if if it's an add-on from that, that seems to be the case. If it is the case, well, they've got to act accordingly mm. and talk about it as they did another allegation of a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, we, I, I think they have to, for their, their list's sake, um, for the nature of what we're talking about here, they have to show that they are taking this extremely seriously. And my only argument was the AFL are a sporting body, right? Let the police investigate criminal allegations as they are, and then the AFL fall in behind that like they do with everything else. Tony's in Craigburn. G'day, Tony. But yeah, you can't condemn a guy until you snap innocent to prove guilty. It's just, yeah, we, we live in a society where, yeah, not acceptable behaviour. We have that everyone has a right to um, the fairness. So we just have to use all facts and just you know, let the authorities deal with the situation. And yeah, you're 100% right. The police probably should have been involved earlier. But it is what it is. Yeah, and I hope they have gone to them, Tony. I mean, it doesn't say they have or they haven't. All it is is uh, is them complaining at the moment that the AFL aren't taking action that they would deem appropriate for the allegations they're making. Just before we get to the break, let's go to David down in, in Launceston who wants to talk about uh, the kangaroos and, and, and the role they might be able to play from here. G'day, David. Good morning, guys. What's your take, Dave? Um, I'll just real quick, I think um, the response to SEN, I think you guys... Uh, handled it pretty well. Um, you know, you look back at the Hawthorne incident that's ongoing, the way that was addressed by all the media, but SCN in, in particular I listened a lot to was really strong. Um, I just think maybe North Melbourne will take their time with their response. I mean, you know, maybe they're a bit... I think all clubs will be gun-shy on how they respond to these sort of allegations now, just obviously with Hawthorne, the way they're going about, you know, that's still ongoing. And 
you know, they don't want to jump the gun here and, and, and respond in a, in a wrong way. And maybe clubs are gun shy on how they handle this. Mm. Yeah, it, it would be a difficult one for the club to, to navigate, David. Um, no doubt about that. Um, I think we need to hear something from someone, though, at some particular point throughout the day off the back of it. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, the lines are open, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Not a subject matter we enjoyed talking about, but we felt it absolutely necessary today. The Temper 40 Wings text, 433 Scoot. Catherine joins us from Flemington. G'day, Catherine. Oh, hi, guys. Um, yeah, look, I just, I'm trying to bring some calm to the to the frustration that the other caller had. I haven't read any of the story, and so I don't know, and I, I don't know if, I think we need to clarify if those women have gone to the police. But the reason that frustration and anger was clearly in her voice, and I understand why you have to use the term allegations, I'm, I'm trained to be a journalist as well, so you're doing the right thing there, but... When when we hear these stories, when we see things like the occurrence of Brittany Higgins, you know, she went to court, she didn't get justice. We see every week women dying because of the family violence issues in our community. This might not be at that end of the scale, but we're so frustrated, so tired, so mm. um, disappointed by our institutions that don't act. This just feels like another, I can imagine, this might feel like another one where it's being swept under the carpet mm. and that's where that frustration comes from. But um, going to the police doesn't mean justice gets served. There are too many instances and men who get justice from the system don't understand why, A, you wouldn't bother and, B, it's actually more frustrating to go to them in the first case. Mm. So when, when, when we ring up and get really angry, that's because um, as a society... Um, it, it doesn't come out in, in women's favour very often. Whether the facts ever get known fully um, or whether the system allows the prosecution to find ways around, um, uh, you know, criminal charges being laid, a lot of women just go, why would I bother? I might try and go to the club first. I might try to go to AFL first because they might have some better powers than the actual justice system do. Mm. So just trying to bring that perspective to your callers yeah. and having someone say that they were frustrated or uncomfortable, we're pretty uncomfortable too. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that, Catherine. And thanks so much for calling in and adding some... Mm. Um, some uh, putting some meat on the bone for it as well. I mean, our only issue was that we weren't trying to sweep it under the carpet. I mean, I reject that uh, allegation no uh, strongly. Uh, hence the reason we are talking about it. You can continue to if you want. There's a lot of other footy topics uh, to get to today as well. Um, this is a serious one. Happy to continue that if you if you would like to as well. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The temper forty wings text is oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll take a break and back uh, on summer brekkie after this. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. I was always looking to see when we were going to play them. I thought it was, I was hearing whispers it was going to be round one. So uh, it's round three and pretty early on in the year. I think it would be good to get it out of the way early, but we only play them once, so it's going to be a bit of a big build up, I reckon. And, I'll get a few text messages from the boys, no doubt, and hopefully the, um, the crowd's not too harsh on me. Libra will throw a few elbows at me and we'll see how we go. But, nah, it's all fun and games. I mean, the boys have been good to me over the journey and even after trade and, and being up here, still keeping contact with most of them. So it's nice to um, have those relationships, but I'm sure when, the, when we cross the white line, it'll be fully on. 
I don't think he meant it. That was Josh Dunkley. Maybe an inadvertent <laughs> clip <laughs> of his old mob of the Western Bulldogs there. Speaking of the Brisbane Lions uh, website, of course, those two teams meet uh, in round three. Coming up and joining a better one. Uh, he's about to say that because let's play it. This is, uh, this is Josh Dunkley on Brisbane's strong midfield. Obviously coming from a place that's got some good midfielders and then to another place that's got even even better midfielders. I mean, you, you touched on Lockie and how good he's been over the past and how good he's going to be in the future as well. So to work alongside him and Huey and Dev Robinson and all the other guys in there and Matho and, and guys like that, it's just been really good. I think we keep each other keep each other honest at, at training and um, really drive those standards. And uh, you get the young guys in there as well, so fresh legs and, and Bales is coming in, which is good. So... It is a huge dynamic, and I think a lot of people will go through through there. So it'll be exciting to, um, yeah, to get in amongst it and, and work alongside them. That's the one we wanted. They're joining a better midfield up at the Brisbane Lions. Shades of Adam Trelaw. I, I think they've got a better list. No, he didn't mean it quite. It wasn't quite that point. It was it, but uh, just a little. Has Bont won a Brownlow? Uh, no, no, he has not. I think he's finished. Second, finish second. Lockie Neal has. Lockie Neal has. I'm just adding up the midfield, saying, well, <laughs> probably realistically, he's. Spot on. Can't use the Brownlow as the deciding factor, can we? Or maybe we can. Lockie Neal versus Bond? Yeah, well, I'd probably take the Bond. Who would you take? Oh, good question. Who's won a flag? Bond. Bond. Not Lockie. And Bond Mm. can duck up forward there and take a grab and kick one from... Probably should have won a norm too, the Bond. Um, the AFL Commission meets this week. Uh, oh, actually, before we get to that, just on the subject of the dogs, you know, what about the suggestion from Josh Bruce that uh, that his assessment that Luke Beveridge has dialed it right back? Mallow Bevo uh, down the Mornington Peninsula at that Portsea camp. Obviously, this time last year, you'll remember Bevo started the season seemingly agitated, hot under the coal. Obviously, the f- infamous press conference after after round one, of course. Now, Josh Bruce and Kosei's dialed down the intensity, but dialed up the bonding and the chemistry and the mm. love. And everyone get together trying to find that secret sauce, if you like. It's going to be a really mild year for coaches. Oh, yeah. They're all dialing it back. <laughs> Until they're not. Um, and Josh Bruce, for his part, trying to create a home in defence in order to preserve his spot in the side. So he did uh, mention to Fox and to Channel 7 yesterday down there in Portsea that uh, he heard the rumours, like we all did, about Rory mm. Lobb joining. Oh, what's my spot in the side? Obviously, coming back from the knee wasn't ideal. He was probably played when he shouldn't have been. And they're so stacked on paper, aren't they? When it comes to Norton, Lobb, Jamar Eugle, Hagen forward, and then back, Jones comes across, Gardner's there, Keith is there, Darcy is emerging. I mean, Bruce started his career as a defender at GWS, of course, and I don't think moved forward as a forward until halfway through his first season at, at, at St Kilda. So he's going back to where it all began mm. because he thinks he might have to. It'd be interesting to see how they fit all of those guys in. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, for a side that looked a bit light on defender-wise, they're now looking spot on. Did you say Darcy then? Young yep. Sam yeah, I'm Darcy? saying. Like, yep. I think he's going to be a defender, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, the, the beauty of him, he could be, he could be anything, mm. anywhere. So, and, and you couldn't have all those guys you mentioned in the one team because you become too slow then, don't well, you? Well, I'm assuming Jamara is going to come on at the rate he is, and I'm assuming Rory Lobb is going to deliver what he does, and, and Aaron Norton will benefit from having those two in and, and, and developing. Lobb's but I mean, better than Bruce? Uh, yeah, I would have Lobb in there. I think, look, if Bruce can get himself up and running, then it's, hey, made the best man win, isn't it? And there's going to be injuries and there's going to be form and there's going to be suspension. There's going to be openings. But if you're talking about best 18 on paper, 
then it's going to be on over the preseason. And uh, he thinks his best chance of getting into that uh, 18 or, or 22 will be uh, as a defender. Could be a good club to go and watch the intra-club practice match at. Absolutely. Where a few people, you know, settle a few Spicy. scores generally within the one. Oh, I love that. So how to call of the year is love back. Love intra-club. The improved Hilux Rogue, wider, taller, tougher. Do you ever snot someone in an intra-club? No, I got snotted a couple of times myself. Oh, did you? Yeah. By who? One of your teamies? Yeah. Punched? Yes. Name names. Punch in face. Name names. No. Headlines, and we'll be back after those. I swear to good, uh, every day there's a snake on the television oh. here. I love it. We're talking about golf earlier. What is perfection is a story on, was it on? I reckon it was on uh, Sunrise. Yep. A snake coming up out of a hole. Yeah, out of a golf, <laughs> on a golf course. Oh, seriously. <laughs> That's a perfect match, Big isn't black it? Black snake coming out of a golf We've talked golf a lot there yeah. during our fill in stint here. We've talked snakes a heck of a lot and your fear of them, and then they are combined. Well, have you ever. I'm also watching the highlights on one of our tellies here of the um, heat. heat and the Renegades. Yep. And, and the umpire's got that arm shield on. Oh, in case he gets caught. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen an ump have to do that? I think you I have. Put the arm up? Must have happened. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Because I reckon, is this the first year we've seen the arm guard or have they been around a year or two? I, that's a good question without notice. Don't know. Don't they might be have been around and I've never noticed. shield one away. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass. Yeah, exactly. Mind you, you'd want to be quick to get your arm up my half word. the time. Yeah, I'd be back. thinking I'd be getting out of the road before I'd be worried about getting my arm up. Yeah, yeah. And did it take an injury to get the arm guards on us or as a preemptive measure? Well, a couple of umpires wear a helmet. Yeah. They do. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, because blokes do. They do power them back. Better stack Absolutely power them back. Stacker calls on the Omar Insurance open line uh, today. We'll keep taking calls all morning. It's thanks to Omar, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Are you following Kane Corns as sort of just as an aside to the Taron Thomas situation? So if we can park that just if we can for a moment. Arguing that, uh, that Jason Old Francis wasn't given the same support as Taron Thomas. Um, and, and that that's the reason why uh, Jason or Francis uh, has left and such, um, and that they should have supported him like they are Taron Thomas. Are you, are you following this along? It's a bit of a campaign from Kane. You know he can yeah. sink his teeth into yeah, things he can, when he wants he to. Can. I, I listen, look forward to listening to him on Friday morning when uh, yeah. he sinks his teeth into I think he might, do it, he might do it tonight on Sports Day. Uh, he did write that after trading, uh, obviously this was uh, North Melbourne, Jason or Francis trading into Port Adelaide. The club said they couldn't trust his mindset. I think they supported Jason or Francis. What probably needs to be discussed and mentioned is that I'm not sure how committed Jason or Francis was to North Melbourne and for how long. I think Jason was. All I think too they were happy running an agenda to get Jason Horn Francis to Port Adelaide. Who's they? Him and his team. Right. I, I think an that agenda. Was, I think he was off the cards and going home well before anyone gave that credit. For, mm. Gave him or, or, or sniffed out that that mm. possibly was happening. That's that's a theory that uh, you are welcome to make. There's a kid that was never. Settled? Settled. Mm. He never looked comfortable no. where he was. And I think it was, was you know, and, and family ties are, are the strongest ties. It was just, hey, we'll get you home, mate. Now let's do it this way. And I think there, there had to be some collateral damage in that move being made. Settle down, boys. Lockie Neal should have two Brownlows by now, if not for an inept tribunal system. That's from Nige. And this from J-Dog, Bont, McRae, Libba. Baslenka, Trelaw are a better midfield group than the Lions midfield group. The Dogs also have Daniel Waitman, McLean, Wes Garcia, who will also go through the midfield at various stages during the season. Dunkley is off the mark. 
The umpires, we're told, have been wearing the arm guards for years now. Maybe yeah. we just never noticed them before. The SCN family, they will know. They will know. I haven't noticed them before. I, I sort of noticed them in this year's BBL. I've never seen one had to be used. Let us know if there's been a time where the umpires fronted up the forearm and said... Given it the big forearm. Yeah, forearm. Cop this. Yeah. And what happens? if it, I suppose it's a dead ball. What happens if it then goes over Bad through... Luck. Bad luck. Mid-wicket. And you, do you run yeah. two oh, or is it a dead do. ball? It's a fair game, isn't it? Once it ricochets off the ump, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's only the helmet, the old helmet behind the stumps that was given the... What's that the was rule? the five runs, wasn't it? What's the rule? I want to okay. know the rule. Hey, Tracy Gordry is... When the gladiator is, puts the arm up, I want to know the rule. Tracy's going to join us in the moment. She's the, uh, in the... In a moment. She's the event patron for the Melbourne to Warrnambool. The cycling festival is on this weekend, February 4 to 5. It's the oldest... Uh, cycling race in Australia, the second oldest uh, one-day cycling event in the world uh, and the longest in the Southern Hemisphere. It runs, obviously, from outside Melbourne down to Warrnambool. Uh, it is a brutal test. Men and women will race it this weekend, and we'll discuss it with Tracy on the other side of this. Uh, welcome back. With the help of uh, the 40 Wings Temper Tech Scoob, I've done some digging on your arm guard, and I'll give you a full history lesson mm, shortly. But thank for you. now, uh, Tracy Gordry was an Olympian. She was a national time trial champion as well in the mid-'90s, uh, and an AIS scholarship holder, former professional cyclist, of course. And she's now the event patron for the iconic Warnie, the Melbourne to Warrnambool, which is back in action this weekend. Tracy, good morning. Appreciate your time. Hi, thank you. And yes, you just sort of under, underhanded started my age by talking about the 90s. <laughs> Sorry. I did say mid-90s. I thought I'd just vague it up a, a little bit. Uh, I, yeah. I beg your pardon. Um, what you are, though, is the event patron for an iconic event. Uh, obviously, the uh, the oldest uh, cycling race in our country, second oldest one-day uh, race in the world as well. And she's a real test for men and for women now, of course. It's an exciting time. The last race of the Victorian uh, Summer of Cycling. It's fantastic. And the warning, I'm talking about the mid-90s, one of the wonderful um, elements of being the patron is having been the first female ever to finish within the traditional time cup when the warning was a handicap race and no gender category. Um, And that was in the mid-90s. And here we are 28 years later um, having a separate women's event and a men's event celebrating the biggest and longest road races in the world. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I like about it, Tracy, the most is that it's open to everyone. It's open to pros. It's open to semi-pros. It's open to mammals, to, to, to weekend warriors, if you like. Anyone who thinks they can get uh, get the journey, which is a big one. It's obviously from Avalon Airport, uh, for the men anyway, all the way down uh, to, to Warrnambool, 267 k's. Yeah, that's a very long way in anyone's book. It's a long way if you're driving, catching a train or riding a bike and you're dead right. It can be, it's, it's for the elite riders, the pros preparing for their season overseas. It's for national level, level riders getting points for what's called the National Road Series. And also it's a graded race for, for your everyday club riders who want to get out there and challenge themselves in one of the most iconic ways in, you know, Australia's most iconic one-day event. Tracy, th- these riders getting ready for their European events. So I mean, it's extraordinary to ride this um, this this sort of distance. So I mean, at, at what fitness level are they now? Are they a hundred percent now, or are they at sort of seventy or eighty percent getting ready to go overseas? Yeah, that's a really good question. And when you think about two hundred and sixty-four k's, um, two hundred and sixty-four k's is a long way. If you're a, um, a world tour rider or a professional on the international scene, 
many of what we call the spring classics in Europe, which takes place in the March-April period in springtime in Europe, they're sitting around 220 to 260k. Um, some of them would treat a ride like this or a race like this as a fast training ride. Um, they won't be at their peak fitness, but it'll be a solid day out for them. And they would be um, the type of rider that some of our Australian domestic riders would aspire to be, be like and to be at that level in a few years to come. And we had the inaugural women's race last year, which was a huge hit, wasn't it, Tracy? And it returns uh, this year again, of course, uh, on the Sunday, 160 kilometres. But this one is already uh, proven to be a hit and really popular among uh, the females in the peloton. Yeah, that's right, Sam. I was, I was privileged to be at the start and at the finish last year um, and rode in, you know, rode in the race car behind the peloton. 160 k's, um, again, is a long way. Um, that's um, equivalent to the longest one-day women's races in the world. And the great, the great thing for Australian riders is they're at pretty good fitness because it has been, as you mm. said, a summer of cycling across Victoria and also South Australia with the Women's Tour Down Under. And so they've spent December um, training and January racing. This is, this is the pinnacle of their Australian racing scene. And many will go overseas after this and the, the domestic or Australian-based riders will use it as a springboard for the rest of their season here. Speaking of Tracy Gordry, event patron, uh, patron for the Melbourne to Warnable, I just have to ask you, Tracy. Now, anyone who's done the Warnie, uh, man or woman, will be this week watching the weather forecast like an absolute hawk because there isn't what you would call an abundance of climbing, but it's open to the elements. So wind is your enemy here. I'm just having a look. 21 on the, the Saturday, I think, light winds, and 21 on the Sunday, uh, much the same. So... The dangers for the riders on a course like this, I think wind would be their biggest enemy? Yeah, 21 degrees is what we would call perfection. It's a bit like what today is. I've been out for a little spin around the block, only 45k this morning, and chatting to some friends about my ambition to ride uh, the Dirty Warning, which is later on in the year. Mm. Um, 21 degrees, weather's perfect. Um, rain, if, if that's on the horizon, I haven't looked forward, forward to the weekend because rain creates danger in terms of slippery roads and descents. Um, but the main thing is um, the wind, if there is a westerly uh, or a southwesterly, that's hard. That's a headwind. A northwesterly means you've got a crosswind. Um, a beautiful day would be to have an easterly. Um, and that's what I'm sure all the riders will be looking for, a fast <laughs> race with the wind at your back. And, and I'm hoping for that for the riders on the weekend. Tracy, I want to see all the colour and activity somewhere between Avalon and Warnable. What yeah. are the best vantage points to have a look at the race uh, as it's going yeah. along? Yeah, well, Avalon, of course, as a start. You know, for many who know, uh, the race used to start on this side, on the Melbourne side of the Westgate Bridge. That can't happen anymore with respect to the, 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 the volume of traffic. But if you go down through the Midland, you go through Colac, uh, Port Campbell, they're the two big centres on the way through. Um, to find a way in the city centre where everybody comes out from their shops to watch, that would be fantastic. Um, and then, of course, as you head towards Warnable, lining the main street on the way into Warnable, it's a beautiful main street, main drag down that highway in. Um, it's double lanes. Um, there's a few little bumps on the way into the finish line, actually. And I still remember that from, um, from about 28 years ago. So those main towns and the run into Warrnambool are the ones that I would be going to watch. And if you're in Warrnambool as well, Tracey, um, it's, a, it's a real event weekend, isn't it? A festival of cycling, as we said earlier, because you've got a criterium around the streets of, of Warrnambool on the Sunday morning as well for the men. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the men come in mid-afternoon Saturday, depending upon which way the wind blows. That can change the, the time by up to an hour difference. Mm. Um, Saturday night, there's a dinner, um, a Legends dinner, and I would go to the Warney website to see if there's any tickets available for that. Sunday morning, the women race and they start at Colac and come down. And then Sunday afternoon, there's a criterium. So there's something for everyone, a great day out. And if you're a parent and you've got young kids, bring them out to watch bike riding and get on your bike as well. And if you're a mammal uh, or a whammel, um, then get on your bike and go and have a look and see, you know, what's wonderful part of, part of Victoria. Um, and also with the Commonwealth Games in Victoria in three years, regional Victoria is really where it's at. Mm. And we want to see more sport and physical activity in all of the regions of Victoria. Amazing to think. It's been 127 years since the first warning and another grand weekend awaits. Uh, the website, melbourne2warnable.com.au, has all your information. Tracy, really appreciate your time uh, this morning and enjoy the weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. There's Tracy Gordry. You're going to ride the warning? You know, one day, it's on the bucket list. I'd love to do it. The time needed to prepare for it, though, worries me. I don't know if I can devote the now, time. Tracy said she's going to ride the dirty warning. Where's yeah. that? What's well, that? That's a gravel edition of the Melbourne Warnable. Absolutely brutal. That's on, oh, that's on the on, big, thick wheels. That's on farm right. Yeah, that's on your CX bike. Yeah, that's that's a real <laughs> that's a real test, that one. Uh, get involved in the Temper 40 Winks text anytime you like. Get your unique bed match profile. Find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, they're serious about sleep. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back. Uh, Sam, don't be soft. I did the warning when it was 299 k's working full-time, doing a master's degree, three kids under six, renovating my house. You can do it. I was 41 years of age. I came 30 in my grade. Well, chapeau. That's a great achievement. Yeah, my Haven't, word. Hasn't left uh, his or her name, but um, that's a great effort. Uh, Greg's in Strathbogie. He wants to talk about the warning as well. G'day, Greg. Hey, boys. How are we doing? What's happening, Greg? Oh, just loving the show, mate. You're doing a great job. A different, um, and, and I don't know if people know how beautiful Warnable is, by the way. Yeah. Um, Simon would, would know they have the best grass courts in Australia pretty much. And people have, people have won Wimbledon and the Warnable tournament in the same year. There you go. Now, who was that? Who, who Greg? was the last person to do that, Greg? Is well, that a, a well? Yeah, Neil Fraser was Neil Fraser was definitely one who, who's done wow. it. Paul Mac Paul McNamee always plays it. He's won doubles, obviously, at Wimbledon. And, um, yeah, it's just a great place. But I had a quick story alternative to the football story you were telling. I was lucky enough to go with the Salvation Army from Burke Street on Christmas Day at Collingwood Football Club. They fed 650 people, beautiful meal, great gifts. A lot of Collingwood players. Mason Cox sort of led everybody. Um, Deputy President was there, administration. There is a lot of good things that happen in a football club, and I think it polishes people and makes them great people. I know the news cycle runs on bad news, but there's a lot of great things happening as well. No, good on you, Greg. Appreciate the call. Always great to hear from you. And yeah, to, to your first point, Warrnambool, magnificent spot. Oh, isn't it? great, great town, beautiful great, and town. beautiful yeah. tennis courts down near the beach. I tell you, they'd be windy. You'd have fired through. You wouldn't a few. get many days there where you didn't have breeze blowing one no, way. I wouldn't or the have other. stopped your rocket, your thunderbolts. 
Coming down. Serve volley, mate. Get, hey, get it done and dusted. <laughs> Dean, Dean, Vickham, <laughs> Dean Vickham and the Melbourne United coach is going to join us after these news headlines. Anna Pavlou is locked and loaded with the latest. So stick with us. We'll be back on Summer Brecky right after this news break. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Now, a bit of a history lesson for you, Scoob. To the best of my knowledge, a bit of a Google search, uh, former umpire Bruce Oxenford, he was the one who started uh, the arm guard. In fact, he, he called it the ox block. And um, he actually predicted five or six years ago when he wore it in an international, uh, actually, that all umpires will be equipped with one in the future. You should have seen this thing, though. It was like a... It's like, a, like you say, a police riot um, yeah, like a, guard, a slimmed down version of it mm. anyway. Um, but some umpires have seriously, um, well, some off the text saying umpires have been killed uh, after being hit in the head. One in Israel in 2014, two days after Phil Hughes died, and another one in Wales in 2019, says Mick off the text earlier. So a number of them use uh, helmets, as you say. And I'll say whatever you can wear. To keep yourself safe out there, good luck to you. It does, does come back pretty quick at times. Those balls stay hit, don't they? Mm, Absolutely. They do. Hey, Melbourne United, well, they peeled off five consecutive wins before dropping Saturday's game against the Breakers. So it leaves them 14 and 13 on the season, delicately poised. And their coach, of course, is Dean Vickham, and he joins us on the line this morning. Dean, welcome to you. Yeah, good morning. These are uh, these are pivotal moments, aren't they, in the in the season? Well, I know you would say as a, a coach and, and wearing the hat that you wear that every game is important, but that would appear to be magnified at the moment. Yeah, you know, the, the scenarios are, are quite wild to um, you know to make the top six, and you know, right now, um, you know, I think we have to win by. 38 or 40 points to um, kind of guarantee our spot, um, regardless of what anyone else does. But if, you know, if Perth's able to drop a game in these last two, then, then the scenario changes. And uh, can you do yourself, can you just send yourself batty at the moment, Dean, working out all the scenarios? I think your website's got possibly seven different scenarios that, that could unfold here. Can you, can you send yourself nuts? Nah, it's a pretty simple one as as a coach of this team. So we have to win, mm. and we we either have to win by ten plus, or we have to win by forty plus. So, um, yeah, real aggressive kind of attitude to the week about how we approach this game. Dean, what's the difference in the Melbourne United team from the start to mid-season to now? Because it you know, genuinely a season in two halves. Yeah, you know, I think when you look at back at the start of the season and. And, you know, you lose uh, Delhi to the NBA, you lose Joe Akul to, to China, mm. and we replace those two guys with Shay Ely and Ariel Huckporty, and then both those guys are unavailable for the first half of the year. Um, you know, it's a, it was the worst-case scenario for us in the, in the injuries that we had. But, um, you know, getting Shay back um, mid-year and bringing in Marcus Lee to kind of replace Ariel and them, you know, Shay in our lineup, we're we're eleven and three. Um, so yeah, putting putting a, a roster on the floor that was something similar to what we recruited at the start of the year has been a big factor. So what about the thirty sixes then? Oh, it was only a week and a half ago you stitched them up over there, Dean. So what does that mean for this, you know, return leg, if I can call it that, this Sunday uh, afternoon? I mean, what could you take out of that um, that victory by seven points back on the twenty first? Yeah, you know, they're in an interesting interesting scenario themselves. They're trying to get to 
14 and 14 and um, you know give them some glimmer of a hope of, of, of making the playoffs. They've got Sydney to come before us. Um, yeah, we made some really good runs over there. You know, Shade went down at half time and um, you know we ended up making a, our shot making in the second half was incredible. Um, you know, Tuck made threes. Um, um, X made threes. CG was got us off to a great start. And we made 16 threes, which was, which was our second best on the year. Mm. So um, they allow you to um, shoot the basketball, but they're a really high-scoring team. And, um, you know, they were missing a, a, one of their key imports as well. Chris Golding's been sensational. I, I think we would probably classify him as evergreen now, couldn't we, with the time he's been around? But, you know, 26 games, averaging 17 points. He's been a bit of a rock. Yeah, it's one of his best years, certainly, that, that I've coached him and, and what was required of him to, to step up and do a whole lot more as a as a scorer for us this year. Um, you know, different times we've, um, you know, put him on really key guys defensively and he's done a, and done a great job. But, uh, you know, from that point mid-year where we were 5 and 10, I thought, you know, just his captaincy and his and his leadership to, to keep this thing really positive and turn it around, he, he's been a big factor. And Shay Ely, what's the situation with him, Dean? Yeah, you know, it's uh, taken the three concussions for the year and, mm. um, you know, it's at a point where we've, we've done as much testing as we can and, um, you know, to really find out about how much rest time he needs that doesn't endanger him of, of taking a knock and, and being out for a, you know, really extended period of time. And so, you know, we look forward to, you know, um, you know, possible finals for him, um, an off-season where he doesn't, you know, probably play too much. And, you know, he's got a big World Cup coming up for New Zealand as well, so he, he wants to be right for that one. Yeah, it's such a delicate topic of conversation, isn't it, regardless of the sport? So is he, I mean, would you say he's symptom-free at the moment? No, not yet. Um, and he's got to be symptom-free for mm. an extended period of time to, to even be, be available for... Um, you know, any form of comeback this year. And, um, yeah, we've got him signed for a couple more years, so we want to be really cautious and, and make sure that, um, you know, he, he's good to go for the, for the coming seasons as well. Dean, you mentioned Xavier Ratton-Mays there a little earlier and um, uh, the, the impact he's had on your season. Uh, he's had plenty of uh, clubs and countries he's played <laughs> in over his, over his career so far, but he intimated to us last week on the show, he said... Now nah, I want to spend the, the rest of my playing days in Melbourne. Uh, one, would you like to see that? And two, can it be done? Yeah, I thought that in the role that we, you know, recruited him for, you know, to come in and have a, you know, a really big impact on the game. I think when when we had Shea in the lineup, we, we really saw him um, kind of perfect that role and uh, come in and be a, you know, 18 to 20 point scorer off the bench and, um, you know, shift the basketball. And, and so I thought he, he played that role really well. But again, you know, it's pretty early to, to make any kind of decision on what next year looks like. And, um, yeah, we'll go through that process when it, when it's appropriate. Hey, the game on uh, Sunday already a sellout, Dean. I'm not sure how long that's been the case for, but uh, the, the joint's going to be rocking. Yeah, and, you know, it's been sold out for a couple of weeks. And, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of people kind of hitting my phone up the last <laughs> couple of days and, and uh, trying to get tickets. So, 
um, you know, that, I guess that's what you, we want. You know, we miss all of January with the tennis and, and people saw us, you know, have some pretty good performances and, and, and want to get to this last game and, and hopefully cheer us on to, to win by a margin that we need to to make the playoffs. So, yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. So just before we let you go, to backtrack slightly, so what's the message for the players? You know, I mentioned all the scenarios earlier, and, and in the end you boil it down to obviously you've got to fulfil your end of the bargain to make any of it possible. What's your message to the players in, in, you know, going into a sudden death period such as this? Yeah, I think as we approach practice today, you know, we're going to have to practice two scenarios, I believe. You know, one that, you know, we can be a little more conservative and we just have to win the game by, you know, 10 points or so. And then there has to be a super aggressive um, way of playing that we, we need to practice today as well to say, hey, we're just going for it and we need to try and win this game by 40. So mm. we'll practice both methods today and then we'll see, um, you know, what happens with the um, game against Cairns and, and Perth. Um, but there's always going to be a game after us, which Perth and Sydney, and so um, you, you just—it's going to be right down to the last game of the season about who makes it. Jeez, just how the NBL scriptwriters would have wanted it, even if you don't, Dean. I appreciate you joining us, and we wish you—we <laughs> uh, wish you uh, very well for the weekend and for Sunday. All right, thanks for having me. There's Dean Vickerman there, the Melbourne United coach with it all on the line. Mm, Scoop, what? If you got tickets He's to had this a horror game, start to the year. Oh yeah, they were shocking. But uh, injuries crueled them, and as he detailed there, the personnel changes they had um, weren't ideal either. Certainly, I guess, factors outside of their control. But if you've got tickets to this game on Sunday, you might be in for an absolute treat mm. here. This is backs-to-the-wall stuff. They'll be aggressive. They'll be positive. Kill or be killed. Oh, yeah, it's going to be big. Uh, and you're right about Chris Golding. He's had a great season. Uh, Ray John Tucker as well. And Xavier Rattan Mays, who I really – I know you did too. Enjoyed speaking to um, – Um, recently as well, uh, wants to sign on here at Melbourne. He's had an impact also. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card, a great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Welcome back. Great to have your company on this first day of February, a Wednesday morning. And it's the Sydney Sixers scoop against the uh, Brisbane Heat at the SCG tomorrow. Of course, it's the Challenger all on the line for a spot in the Big Bash final against the red-hot Perth Scorchers. And the Heat, I think, are on their way to the airport as we speak. And their assistant, uh, Darren Lehman, has joined us. G'day, Darren. Appreciate your time. Morning, guys. Morning, Scoop. How are you, boys? Off good. Good. Couldn't be better. How are you with four outs <laughs> no. on the eve of? It's just dawned on him. Yeah, not, not bad. It's just getting to Sydney Airport, getting to the airport to go to Sydney, and uh, away we go. Another it's... day, and we live to fight again. Yeah. So even though you knew it was coming, um, Buffer, I'm sure not the sort of head count you want to do boarding the bus this morning to find a couple of handy types missing from the squad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? Like, no you no Renshaw, and no Labuschagne, and then Swepson missed the last game already for that spin camp. So, you know, we're full one in the club, but four guys get the opportunity. And, and mm. you look at someone like Xavier Bartlett, who played last game for Swepson, he won man of the match. So, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, but we're always coming in to be fine and, and make up a side. We'll just have to have a look, look at the wicket when we get down there. Um, but, you know, they lose Smith and Lyon, for example. <laughs> you know, Smith's a pretty big loss in anyone's team. So, it gets down to how you play on the day, as we know. So is this the essence of coaching, I suppose, for yourself and for Wade? You know, there's a negative overlay to it. How can there not be when you, you, you lose that quality, that quartet of players? But but making it a positive, but but making sure you're not going in with a almost a, what could be a defeatist attitude about it? Oh, you're definitely not doing that. We've been playing without those guys for yeah. most of the year as well. You've got to remember that. They've been playing, you know, test matches. So, 
you know, for us, it's about just preparing to play Sydney Sixers with our side, and we've come. Yeah, you know, we obviously beat them up here at the Gabba. Uh, we didn't have those guys playing, mm. uh, and then we had the washout at um, North Sydney Oval. So, yeah, you know, we will match up pretty well against them. But again, you got to play well on the night. Well, um, talking of twenty twenty cricket and and just the normal in impact of um, you know a toss of the coin or or a pitch. Is it as impactful that sides are better chasing than batting first in 2020 cricket? Is that as a big a deal as some people make it out to be, or because the short form it nullifies the impact a bit? It does nullify the impact a little bit, Scoob. But to be fair and perfectly honest, for the Renegade fans, the, the wicket was advantage to the Heat the other night actually bowling first. It was a little bit sticky, and then played pretty well after that. So. You know, that toss was quite important, but most of the time it's not. Um, and, and, you know, most of the time both sides get the same sort of conditions. It's only if it rains about where it really affects it. So, and it starts to skid on and you can't hold the ball. So, you know, you really, most of the time still, most sides are, are batting if the wicket's really good, Scoob, and, and conditions are not going to be dewy or wet. But if you see a slight, you know, change in the weather, it looks like it's going to rain or a chance to rain, every side will probably bowl first. Is there still the frustration around with some of these pitches that are are being prepared? Right? That that you know you you do get you know it's sticky for eighteen overs or sixteen overs because you would hope with you know the wickets and the technology we have now in preparing them that you know surely for a forty over game twenty overs each we can have a wicket that's fair to both sides. <laughs> yeah, you'd think so, mate, wouldn't you? Uh, uh, it's it's been I understand there's some difficult circumstances when that happens, and to be fair, the curios. Pre-Christmas, the wickets weren't as good. But post-Christmas, they've been pretty good barring that Marvel game. I think it was the Renegade Strikers, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so outside of that, they've been you know pretty reasonable. The QA has done a good job. But you're exactly right. With the technology everything in place, you know, it should be 40 overs exactly the same and away you go. Speaking of Darren Lehman, uh, Buff, I know the, the topic of conversation around the BBL has long been around the scheduling and the length of it and the availability of players. And Dean in Port Melbourne's text in, uh, again, just to say that comp is compromised in his mind for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's players coming and going and, and length has been an issue that will, will, will soon be addressed, of course. I mean, does it need consistency of lineup to really take it to the next level? Uh, yes, yes, you do want consistent alignment if you can shorten the tournament. That's going to happen. That'll happen sooner mm. than later. So that that solves that problem, doesn't it? And squeezing, condensing it. So you 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 know, I think we're you know basically been on the road since early December, roughly sixty days now, and we're still not at the final. So that's yeah. a long time. You know, that's you know that's with your prep work, etc. So I think they've got to get down to finish. Or I'd love to see a finals day on Australia Day, for example. Uh, you know, I can't. Uh, I, I don't know why we have who obviously have home finals etc. But a finals day, second place, third, and then the winner straight through MCG two finals on the one day would be pretty good, wouldn't it? A uh, hundred thousand people get to that to watch that. I reckon on Australia Day. So you know, I think they've got to be proactive how they look at the the scheduling. Um, but having said that, you know, we're now what sixteen games in. Um, it, it is a long tournament, so. The players from overseas don't want to spend 60 days away, so we've got to condense it in those reasons as well. And I think if we do that and finish it early, those other tournaments don't come into the mix as much and we'd be able to get our overseas players to stay the whole time. Mm. Talking of those overseas players, it looked as if the, the challenge was being issued to the BBL probably two seasons ago in, in getting the name players here and holding them for the tournament. But I've seen a real resurgence this year. Am I, am I fair in saying that? Resurgence has now given the BBL and put them back on a platform where 
you know, growth and popularity is is back to a uh, in, in a really good space. Yeah, you're exactly right, Scoop. Um, it, it's in a really good space. We've seen crowds come back. Everyone, the overseas didn't want to leave. It's just their opportunity and, and the length of the tournament, really, uh, and that other league where it was paying, you know, the same money for less time is just too good to refuse. So we actually got to, uh, you know, nip that in the bud and actually squeeze our tournament, bring it forward a little bit so you finish, you know, roughly around that tournament starting, the other tournament over in Dubai. If they do that, I think you'll find the overseas will just stay. They, they love Australia. They love coming here, and they were great. We had Billings and Munro, who were fantastic for us, and you know every other side and franchise had really good, high-quality overseas. And, and you'll end up you know, getting those coming for longer and staying for the whole time. And once you do that, then you actually – it's a fantastic you know competition, isn't it? So, Darren, obviously Xavier Bartlett made a lot of the return on Sunday night against the Renegades with the three for. But have you settled on the replacements? For, there's been a lot of speculation, but have you settled on the other three replacements for this game? Yeah, we're pretty close. McSweeney will come back in, obviously. Uh, Nathan McSweeney, he, he played well throughout the tournament for us. Um, at, at those stages, he was a replacement player for Marnus. So he'll come back in. And then the other guys, it just depends on the makeup of the, the side when we look at the wicket. But, you know, you presume we're going to pick another couple of batters. So, you know, we've got a few in our squad that can play and back up in that scenario. So we'll wait and see. But, you know, more responsibility on someone like Sam Hayne, who's a young overseas player. He'll, he'll go up the list, you would think, now. So... There'll be a change in roles for certain players, but that's a good thing. That's an exciting thing for the young players to go out and play and get an opportunity to shine on the big stage. Now, Darren, I want you to go back in time with us for a moment to your playing days because Scoob and I were both struck by the vision of the Aussies uh, leaving from the airport yesterday and uh, the amount of baggage that was taken. Now, I reckon Steve Smith had about uh, 15 coffin bags. Uh, Marnus Labuschagne's taking 40 kilos of coffee beans and goodness knows what else. So back in your day, what was an acceptable amount to be taking? Well, as long as you fit a slab of West End drafting, you're fine. Um, you know, if, I think we just took a, a you know a cricket bag with a couple of bats in and, and a suitcase. That was it. You know, you didn't have any room for anything else. Um, you know, these days they, they do take you know bats and coffee machines, and you know it's a different different way of life. But a lot of those guys also lads are going away for six months. They're going straight from there to the IPL straight to England. Yeah, mm, so they're, yeah. they're away for a big time. So no wonder they're travelling heavy. You could lose the West End in the luggage, though, couldn't you, Scoot? No, no, no. You no, could lose no, that, no, couldn't mate, you? Sponsors product, always a must. <laughs> always an absolute must, the sponsors product. Well, you know all about India, where they, where they have just landed. You know mm. when they walked out of uh, the airport, they would have had that smell that uh, you only get on the subcontinent, which is quite special. So you know where you've landed. Plenty of challenges. Daunting. And has this side got the makeup to win the series against the Indians at home? Yeah, they have. They have. They've got the the squad uh, set up where they can really pick and choose who they want on a particular wicket, particular occasion. You think they're going to spin pretty much from day one, Scoob? That's the, the the issue there. I, I understand they didn't want to play a tour game. I'm probably the other way, Scoob. I would rather get their conditions and get used to heat and the humidity and you know all that, the food, the hotels, everything about India and embrace the culture. And even if the wicket is green, I still want to have some sort of game. So. I don't know how they're going to do that now, but you know that's my only worry, not having a, a sort of tour game to, to play before the first test. We know they're going to throw a lot of spin at us with Ashwin and Jadeja. Um The make-up of the side will be interesting to see where we go there. I would think, you know, Hanscom and Renshaw, who play spin well, will come into selection depending on Green's, Green's finger. Mm. Um, and they have to start well because you know what it's like in India, Scoob. If you don't start well, it can really go down south quickly. So the challenge for them is to win the first one or at least draw the first one and then work your way in the series from there. 
Great to talk to you, Darren. Love your insights uh, internationally and also domestically. Really looking forward to the challenge of tomorrow night at the SCG. Safe travels, and we wish you well against the Sixers. 7.15 local time it gets going. We can't wait for it. All the best with it. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There's Darren Lehman there, Brisbane Heat assistant, former player, former coach, and the national team uh, as well. Uh, I like that. Knows his his way around the cricket world, Buff. Yeah, he did. Uh, Now, his record from memory was excellent in India, was it not? He had a good – I reckon he had a good average there. Good player of spin, good sweeper. Shorter. Yeah. Play square of the wicket. That's just my memory with that back up. Low over the ball. Yep. Perfect, perfect for India. Get involved on the Temper 40 Winks text. They are the consumer's choice winners. Temper mattresses, they've got the pillows, the adjustable bases, and they conform to the exact shape of your body. And a lot of love for Buff's idea about uh, the Australia Day sort of grand final for the Big Bash. I mean, whether we change the date or not, if we do for Australia Day, January 26 can be BBL final day. Fantastic. Hey? Whether Brilliant. it be a doubleheader or whatever it might That's be. That's the way. Good thinking. Big blockbuster. Well, he yeah. nominated the MCG too, which I really liked. Right. Or a neutral home. Yeah, well, maybe this new- is the home of the oh, BBL yeah. final. Our interstate friends will love that. Uh, Toyota Call of the Year is back. The improved Hilux Rogue. It's wider, taller, tougher. Visit your local Toyota dealer and we'll announce the first weekly winner actually right here next Tuesday. So give us a buzz. one three hundred seven three six seven three. I can hear the footsteps of Goss running with that now. Yeah. We're pushing for a BBL <laughs> finals to be permanently played in Melbourne. Never misses a moment, does he? Hey, the headlines are upon us on the other side of that. A bit of questions without notice. Possible afternoon showers, a top of 21 degrees in Melbourne today. The UV index predicted to reach 11 thanks to SunSmart and late showers tomorrow, 23. And the run home with Andy Marr and Andrew Gaze is back this afternoon from 3 on SEN. Questions without notice. For WD40, register online for the Repair Challenge 2023 for a share in over 15 grand in prizes. Question without notice, why are you holding phone to your ear playing audio? <laughs> what are you doing? We're back. You're was, on the I was air. I just getting my questions ready for you. <laughs> I assure you. I had a horse report come through. What's that? Are you going to tell us? Uh... No. Sorry? No. Why? You don't, you don't no, let us I'm know any. Your horses. No, I'm looking at the ownership group. There's no S. Edmund. What, you don't, you don't tell anyone else? Well, Not paying, even your they're colleagues. Paying, they're paying the bills. Not even your colleagues. They're the first ones. I'm small fry. I just like a little two fitty each way. <laughs> I'm not going to upset the balance. Question without notice. We've spoken um, about the um, yes, the Melbourne Warnable. Yes, with Tracy Gordry yes. a little earlier. Yes, your eyes lit up. When are you going to do one? I'd love to do one. Well, just why don't you? Don't know. Do you love your cycling? The time. The time to do it. I'd, you know, like anyone. Yeah, if you're doing time's, it, you want to do it properly. I don't want to do it with that's no... a crap excuse no, You've got to be time. physically ready for it. Otherwise, I might Wait, You finish Brecky Radio at 9 o'clock, you've got, no, I've got 12 nothing. hours before you're you right. go to bed. Go for a ride. Got nothing else going on. Um, yeah, maybe. One day. Fine I'd love, time. Will you support me if I do it? Because I'll, I'll need someone you. on the side of the road with some food and a little bit on. Yeah, and, a little and feed I'll give bag. you the thing. The, the gel. Thing, the yeah, the gel. gel. Thank the you. gel pack. Yeah, you went on I a journey of discovery with those gels, I, didn't you? I did. <laughs> wasn't sure what they were. I don't know if I want to take a feed bag from you. What would be in it if I was to take one? Be some Rib spuds eye. and a block of cheese and a tomahawk steak. <laughs> Not the sort of dietary requirement one will be after on the Melbourne to Warnable. Hey, question without notice. How just edgy would Harry Souter be at the moment? So there's not inside now the final 90 minutes of the trans, January tra- mm. transfer window uh, in the UK and the major leagues. 
Um, 10 a.m. our time is when the window shuts. He's trying to get a move from Stoke City to Leicester. It still hasn't been made official. It's $26 million Australian, this move. this <laughs> He'd be on the edge of his seat, wouldn't he? It's a big deal over there this time. It, it, I think the bit that rides at home to me is all his efforts at the World Cup are coming to fruition. People now know how good a player he, he is and, and who he can stop and that he is up with the, you know, can compete with the world's best. It's nice to see someone then being rewarded for that, for that, for that effort. I, I think it's really, mm. good, really good. I like it. Question without notice. The AFL Commission meets uh, a bit later on this week. Uh, the grand final start time not on the agenda, and this is an annual debate if ever there was one. And would you agree it would be extremely long odds, borderline impossible to think, that with Gill moving on this year, a new CEO is going to come in and try to institute a grand final start time change, given that Gill was obviously um, well, wedded to the traditional slot last year, that there could possibly, couldn't possibly be a change, could there, this year? No. Stick him no. with the 2.30. Lock Craig it in. Kelly still wants Gill there. Yeah, well, a lot of people do. Ned said, hey, mm. keep Gill. Mm. Keep but that's on. not happening. Gill's moving as on. As a consultant. Some, as a consultant. Someone to talk. You shouldn't get rid of that sort of experience, particularly when you don't want to. Mm. Like no one wants to get rid of Gill, from what I gather. So I think it's a really good idea of, of making sure you've still got that intel around for, for, for people who are going to new positions that they can call upon that. Oh, Tom's texting to say, if I ever do do the warning, that he'll fly down from the Gold Coast to support you as a ride-along, carry your food, spares, bidons, etc. Good old Tommy, legend. Tom? Uh, what well, a, so I'm out of a gig. What a great <laughs> Tom's put me out of a gig, has he? What a great so man. So you embrace Tom and just brush me. Well, you're going to give me a tomahawk steak and some ribeye. All right, that's it. I'm not mentioning <laughs> the Warrnambool again. Have you you can a... go to buggery and say no, Tom. I'm just saying it's nice of Tom to message in. That's all. No need to get uh, offended. It's 270-odd clicks. I might need a couple of you. Yeah, well, I hope. I might need you every kilometre. I hope you, <laughs> hope you graze your arm. <laughs> Have you got a question for that notice? I asked you the questions about notice, and that's now... You haven't got any others for me. That's now Tom's driven okay. a wedge between our relationship. My, my question about notice for you, it's now later in February. Later this month, Gil says that the racism investigation uh, findings concerning, uh, obviously, Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan will be laid out. It keeps blowing out, doesn't it? And is that a problem as long as proper process is followed. Well, as proper process is followed and it's done before the start of the season, I think, that, I think that's so. the window. Clearly sooner the better. It has to happen, yeah. Sooner the better, but okay, you know, we're, we're only a month away from practice games. And then what are we? I think three weeks from practice games, we're into the first round. There were many of us who thought that um, Alistair Clarkson would, would not coach again. Plenty of people came out and said he and won't coach. It doesn't coach seem to be that circling now. Well, it seemed to be a long way from that at the moment, mm. don't we? However... It hasn't, uh, those findings and uh, those interviews haven't been made public Confidential. yet. Confidential. They are. A, uh, a Daniel Horsfall is going to join us a little bit uh, later on. In fact, after this break, he's the manager of Nick Kyrgios, who recently went under the knife to have that knee cleaned out that ruled him out of the Australian Open. Where to next and what next for Nick? We'll ask Daniel after this break. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. 
Well, no matter what way, what you think of him, Scuba, the Australian Open was a far more beige uh, event without the presence of Nick Kyrgios, who uh, was revealed on the eve of the tournament, uh, unfortunately needed arthroscopic surgery on his knee and could not take part. It was a blow for the tournament, a blow for Nick and his manager and his friend, Daniel Horsfalls, joined us uh, on the line to discuss what happens next. G'day, Daniel. Appreciate your time, mate. No worries at all. How are you guys going? We're going well here. Well, we might as well start with, with I guess, the most pressing concern for for your client, Nick, in, in the sense of his of his health and his fitness and his availability. How did he come out of the other side of surgery? Um, look, the surgery went great, to be honest. Couldn't have really asked for a better result. So we're all pretty pleased. Like, team's just ready to go, you know. When he's ready, we're ready, so... So what does that what does that mean from now, Daniel? I mean, what are the what are, what does the schedule look like in the in the next little bit for for Nick? Yeah, so um, obviously he's in the knee brace at the moment. I think he might only have um, like movement up to seventy degrees, and I think we got a post op operation. Sorry, a post op appointment today, midday to you know test where it's at. But um, you know we've been, I guess, talking with the surgeon very closely most days, and also the physio and. You know, they're actually really, really pleased. He might be recovering a little bit faster than what we're expecting, so it's good news. And mentally, he's in a, in a, in a, in a good space? Yeah, no, man, he's fantastic at the moment, you know. Just at home, playing Pokemon, eating his mum's food. I mean, he doesn't get much better than that. So. <laughs> oh, he's living the dream. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's, it's not bad. Never too old for Pokemon, Scoop. Daniel, have you looked forward to, you know... Um, post-surgery, when that recovery is there in a normal time, what the sort of six, 12 months looks like? Yeah, look, it's actually, it's interesting that um, obviously people think that an injury is usually, I guess, quite a negative thing on an athlete's body. But, um, you know, with tennis, a lot of things that players don't get is enough time to recover in general. Mm. You know, like you play all year round. So you don't really have... I guess these off seasons where you can actually work on things that you might be lacking. So for us, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's disappointing that Nick's had to have this surgery, but you know, it means two things. He's had his knee cleaned up and he's going to be back better than ever. But also we have now this time because we have to focus and dedicate time to his rehab. He's actually probably going to come back fitter and stronger than he was, you know, this time last year. So I mean, it's all green light as far as we're concerned. So realistically speaking then, uh, Daniel, what what would you and he envisage to be his, I guess, first you know major tournament once once he's up and running? Or is that just too far, too many unknowns at this point? Look, I mean, we always schedule things, but it's tough. You know, I don't want to... Like, obviously, yeah, I am his manager, but I'm his friend first. Yep. So, you know, I try not to push him. You know, obviously, we have a lot of sponsor commitments and all sorts of things going on. But, you know, if he's not ready to play, I'm not going to say to him, hey, mate, if you don't get out there, like, you know, you're not going to get paid. It's, it's. I think we're beyond that. So as soon as he starts to feel good, mate, you'll see us on the tennis court. Mm. So. You mentioned you were his friend first, manager second. I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you took over management responsibilities for Nick maybe 2020 and then obviously COVID hits and the like. Did you ever think, Daniel, when you you took over that you'd be uh, a star on the small screen? I mean, I've only just finished watching on Breakpoint. What was it like watching yourself back on that Netflix doco? Yeah, it's funny. I um, I told my mum, obviously, like last year that we were filming this show and we were a part of this this bigger Netflix series and... You know, when it came out, she messaged me. She said, oh, I just finished watching on the TV. You look good. I was like, Mum, there's one thing I know for sure. I'm the best-looking five-foot-seven red-bearded bloke on Netflix now. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it was, it was, it's actually really interesting, you know, like having them follow you around for a whole year, it's, uh, it's pretty full-on. But, 
the blokes are super nice. Like it's, they're not really intrusive, but it's interesting. You always catch yourself, you know, thinking, man, should I have said that? Or like, yeah, you know, I wonder what they're going to show, but cause man, they have hours and hours of footage. So. Daniel, can you give us some insight? We were talking earlier this morning about, you know, the Australians going away to play test cricket in, in India and then some of them go straight to the IPL and then do a tour of England. So they, 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 they're gone, you know, really for a pretty much six months. You know, you, you won't, six or seven months, you won't see them back here in, you know, at home in their home country. You know, what, what's it like on the circuit? You know, how draining can it be? I think a lot of people look at tennis lifestyle as like a glamorous lifestyle. Um, you know, and it, I'm sure there's a few people in Melbourne though that, that listen to this show, they're involved with tennis. You know, it's, it's definitely not like flowers on the other side, that's for sure. It's, it's really stressful, a lot of travel, a lot of sleepless nights just from jet lag, you know, traveling to a different country most weeks. Um, and for Australians especially, it's really tough. You know, if you're not a player that's, you know, well inside the top 50, you know, you have to force yourself to stay outside of Australia to play these extra tournaments to pick up, you know, ranking points wherever you can. You know, whereas Nick, you know, I guess we're lucky in that sense where he gets to spend as much time at home as he can. You know, we don't have to play those smaller challenger tournaments or, you know, we can miss out on some of the 250 events, you know, and trade that for time at home. But, you know, people like like John Millman's a perfect example. You know, he's he's a fantastic tennis player, but his ranking tends to slip just a little bit. So he has to stay out. He's, he's out of the country for, I don't know, maybe eight months a year. So, like, it's it's pretty brutal, to be honest. I'm really interested in your journey, Daniel. And the, the change your life has undergone in the last couple of years, as I mentioned. I know you are in real estate initially. Uh, I think you got yeah. into some creative stuff like, but you know, painting sneakers and the like. And you have been Nick's friend for a while. I mean, the dynamic between the two of you, when you go from friends, not just friends, but friends and, you know, in business together effectively, which is what you are, has it been delicate has it been challenging you know when when your friendship can become a you know overlaps with with business as well um not at all really i think i did a really good job of establishing the boundaries of you know what work is and when you know work has to happen you know so i'll, I'll make it very obvious i'm like mate these next five minutes is strictly business and then i'll just hammer in with everything you know and that's when I try to throw in the left rights when I'm saying you're doing this wrong or you need to do this. And then, you know, I'll finish it off by peppering in with some positive notes, but um, no, it's actually, it, it's okay. You know, we don't, don't argue about most things, but I think it's the transition for me personally, has probably been easy because he's just trusted me from the get go. So mm, mm. I've not really had to, I guess, have a fight for a, like, I guess a position or to feel valued because everything that I say, he takes on board anyway. And like I said, being a friend first, I feel I have that upper hand of putting what he wants first before like what the business is, uh, I guess, trying to extract from him. So he just feels a lot more comfortable and knows that he's not, I guess, just being a sellout really. And talking of comfort, Daniel, is that something that Nick's done with a number of his entourage, for want of a better way of putting it, that they're, they're people he has a a really good, strong, healthy personal relationship with? Yeah, correct. So there's, there's really only two of us, um, excluding his girlfriend. So obviously his girlfriend, Costain, she's been awesome. There's myself, who I travel with Nick all year round. Um, you know, obviously I'm like his business manager and do all the bits and pieces from day to day. Then there's his physio, William Ma, 
so he travels with us to a lot of the major tournaments, so the 1000s, the Grand Slams. But in terms of like the traveling team, that's it. And obviously we have um, an agent in America. His name's Stuart. He's an unreal bloke too. Um, but it's pretty tight-knit. Well, we wish you well, Daniel, uh, for yourself and for, for Nick and the whole crew, obviously, for, for a big year ahead. And first and foremost, obviously, for Nick's recovery post-surgery, the appointment goes well today and he can get back on the court uh, sooner rather than later. We wish you well, mate, and, and really do appreciate the insights this morning. No, thanks for your time. Thanks. Appreciate it. Daniel Horsfall there, DMH Management and the manager of uh, Nick Kyrgios, who uh, sadly lost the Australian Open, but hopefully Scoop back up and running uh, mm. soon, given the surgery went well. It's a... Really interesting dynamic, isn't it, when, oh. when friends become business partners and it opens up a whole other layer yeah. of complexity. But you can just see the, 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 the curious motivation. You know, I, think, I don't think he's a natural traveller and being away from home sort of person. So he's surrounding himself with people that remind him of home, make him feel and, and sense that it's a bit more like home when you're in all these different places around the world. Need to take our final break before JDS uh, enters the studio and also need to give away, uh, given the Toyota Caller of the Year is back, uh, we need to give away a couple of prizes today as well. Just a, a call earlier on I want to revisit as well to give away a prize or two. But we'll have a catch-up with Julian and detail all of that more after this.